Holman, we have returned to Banks Power in the city of Azusa, California. You literally return every single uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday Friday, Friday, Saturday, and yeah. sometimes Sundays. Yeah, occasionally Sundays, yes. <laughs> You've actually slept here. This is actually literally your new house. And uh, He's never slept here. That's not that, true. That's not true. Twice. He, he slept in the back yeah. of a Banks truck because he didn't have yep. uh, the keys to get out. Yeah, yeah, slept in the back of the Ford 67 twice. No wonder I got those calls. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say no wonder the detailer was no. upset. <laughs> So what happens is is that uh, apparently we park our cars in a gated. We're, it's a luxury we have here. We've got a gated parking lot. But the problem is is that with razor wire. Yeah, with a razor wire over the top, mm-hmm. which I tried to climb. That's another story. I don't think Gail knows about that. <laughs> oh, I know about that. <laughs> okay. I do know that. <laughs> he saw it on the cameras. I'm glad you and didn't laugh. do it. <laughs> you know, some people have like the ring camera. Yeah. And they don't have it trained at the sidewalk mm-hmm. to uh, look at intruders, but they have it trained at their own house to watch their kids. Right. That's what Gail does. He uh, pulls up his phone and he watches the security cam and eats popcorn as you try and climb out over the razor wire at night. <laughs> well, so the gates That's so lock, much fun. The gates lock at 10 p.m. and I'm often, as you know, because you're blowing uh-huh. me up on text or calling me, uh-huh. and or I'll, I'll try and put a video out or you know, and Gail and I will work till like I don't know, eight nine o'clock. We, well, and then wait, wait a minute. He's like, we've I done gotta, some midnights. We've done some midnights. Yeah, yeah, we've done some midnights. But he'll bone off. He's like, I got to go get the wife some food and I'll do the extra hour. And I'm just working. I look at the clock and I go, crap, my car's car's locked in. So I've had to, I Ubered home once. I didn't learn the second time. The second (laughs) time I ended up, I didn't want to go home. I figured it was just, I didn't want to spend the 40 bucks to get home. I think it was on a Saturday night, so it was the Uber rates were high. Oh, that's when you called me and I hung up the phone. Yeah, uh, that might have been that time, yes. So then I just went out and I picked the uh, the most luxurious back seat. And the Ford had the smoothest because the uh, the seatbelts didn't protrude yeah. up too yeah. far, so they weren't jabbing well, well, into well, my sides. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I slept there. But the Ram, I think the Ford also has that, that flat load floor. What you do is you just fold the seat up. And There's got to be floor. a review. Yeah, but uh, sleeping in the back. Oh, yeah. Best (laughs) top three trucks you're sleeping in at work. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, not comfortable because I can't, uh-huh. I, I can't, I, when I sleep, I have to sleep with my legs flat. I have to be flat as a board. I can't, I'm not the person who can sleep in a ball. So you right? could never be an astronaut. No, probably not. How long, uh, Holman has it been since we have officially spoken to Gail? I know. Uh, SEMA. It was SEMA. Cause okay. I did it without you. Oh, that's right. Gail and I kind of yeah, dabbled. Yeah, it was kind in, of a, you yeah. know, Don't let them know we're over here talking. A side thing, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I do recall that. Yeah, I, yeah. I said, hey, you're doing that without me, and you waved me off like a dick. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, so Gail asked, well, what am I doing here? And as you know... You mean just now, before we started this? Yes, yes, yes. 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 And, yeah. and, and, and I still don't know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as you know, we, uh, we <laughs> announced what our top 10 uh, uh, episodes of 2019 were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people keep saying they love the Gale-isode right. and they want <laughs> to come back. So, Gail, why don't, read this email really quick for me. So, uh, Gale-isode, it says Gale-isode right here. Mm-hmm. 10 stars. It was the best episode. Hope you have more episodes with him. That can is, I send that, this guy a hat? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can. Thank you, Jacob. That is one of, I Many. think, I, I, I think I probably close to 100 uh, emails. There have been a lot. So I wrote in uh, Gail in our email, mm-hmm. and uh, I've heard, let's see, um, love the Gail Banks episode so much, I went out and bought a Banks uh, Power Ram Air intake for my JK Keep It Up. Mm-hmm. Uh, here. Oh my God! Oh, this is this is. This is I love it. I'm loving this. Completely serious. Um, P.S. Please bring Gail back. Maybe his own monthly segment. And that one was from Justin Helmendaller. Uh, we have one here from Lane Patterson. Said, 
The Gale episode was the best so far. We have uh, one from uh, Trevor. Says, I'd love to hear someone like Gail's hold thoughts. On a wait, 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 stop. Wait a minute. He said, the, he said the best so far. He's Gale blowing was, my dress up. Gail was 60 episodes in, wasn't he? Uh, I don't remember Something what episode. Like that. We should probably figure out which one. So of 60 episodes. Yeah. And, we're, and we're at 100. Oh, this is what, 104? 104, yeah. So I'd love to hear someone like Gail's thoughts on the very distant future of our sport, hobby, and way of life that came from Trevor. Mm-hmm. We've got one here. Uh, Trevor, I've, I've got some opinion there oh, we've got uh, our buddy ray says any chance uh, you could have gail banks on to discuss changes to the 2020 eco diesel mm-hmm. uh and then there's one about casa bonita says every time gail banks said something during the audio at casa bonita thanks for getting cartman stuck in my head for a week <laughs> he sounded just like adam west character and family guy especially when he said this place is like ikea all i could hear is adam west and it was cracking me up <laughs> i forgot that we were hanging out yeah, at casa, casa bonita, bonita in colorado <laughs> uh, oh yeah i haven't forgot <laughs> Uh, it's a recurring it problem. Was like a, uh, it was like a scar. You can't <laughs> yes. get rid of now. Yeah. So, anyway, on and on and on. We got another one here that says uh, uh, when we had Quinn from uh, seventy four Weld on about the portal axles, mm-hmm. he said Quinn Pultz is the Gale Banks of portal axles. <laughs> so apparently now they're referring to other people in the industry as the, the Gale, Gale Banks, Banks of, of that. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's like you're the you're the Rolex of this industry. I don't know about the. Tell my wife, <laughs> will you? <laughs> you know, Vicky has to hear yeah. this. Oh my God! So Holman, let's do this. Let's uh, let's talk up Nissan. Let's do decked, and then let's officially start the show. That's what I think we do. Oh, because uh, we're twenty minutes in and we haven't started <laughs> yes. the show again. Yes. So let's uh, let's talk Nissan up real quick. I know we got the twenty twenties touching down at your local dealership. I any think, sometime uh, soon, right? First week of February. Damn. Uh, I'm heading okay. out to uh, to see Nissan in mm-hmm. a few weeks. Going to go to the plant, drive the XD. What? I uh, got some other stuff up my sleeve. I so. do not recall getting an invite to that. Uh, once again, you are not a journalist, <laughs> dude. <laughs> seriously, just. Uh, I'm half of this show. Just can a I go? Club. This can isn't I go? a journalism show. Hey, can I go it? to Nissan? Uh, you and I are going to Nissan to a different place for a different reason that we should be uh, announced in the next couple weeks. Really? Yes. You don't know about it though yet. I don't. I, I'm, I'm, no, waiting, I don't. I'm waiting for the ink to dry. Okay. I'm waiting, waiting to get the details. Okay. It'll, you're gonna now. Is this erasable ink? Like the kind that my kids use? Yes. To the cheat uh, on their test. It's a disappearing, reappearing, disappearing <laughs> ink. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Okay. Um, so just uh, hold tight on that. We're going to do some cool stuff with them. But uh, keep in mind. 2020s on the way. Still Frontier have that. Frontier news, right? Well, coming up. Yep. Okay. Yep. But uh, 2020 Titan, five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. We can hear you drink, Gail. <laughs> Zero-gravity <laughs> seats, uh, yeah. Fender audio system, uh-huh. five-six with that nine-speed. Mm-hmm. So uh, head on down to your Nissan dealer, NissanUSA.com, and uh, check out the 2020 Titans that will be out in the next couple of weeks. But if you just can't wait, we were looking online, and there are some killer deals on 2019s. Yeah, I was hanging out on the uh, the Nissan dealership site down in uh, Tustin, California. Tustin, yep. Yes, and I cannot believe how much value you get for your money if you buy a Titan. Yeah. And then you've got so much money left over that you can hit decked.com and buy yourself the most incredible storage solution. So not only is this a really bitchin' rolling rack system in the back of your bed, but you can park how many pounds on the bed? Uh, that would be 2,000. 2,000 pounds on the top of your decked system. And still have buttery smooth drawers with Texas ball, ball bearings. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah, Liz, that, you know, that really sounds... You want to yeah. go out and get one right now? Yes, I do. Buttery smooth Texas ball bearings. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like, you don't... When you think of ball bearings, you think it's Swiss or German. I was scared. Skeptical, and then buttery smooth. Yeah, that was that one you over. Yeah, yeah right exactly. there. All right, All right we got yeah. so much to get in. Let's uh, let's get into the show. The truck show. We're gonna show you what we know. We're gonna answer what the truck, cause truck rides with the 
truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, <laughs> Gail Lightning sing. and Holman. I don't know the words. <laughs> the truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Whoa, whoa! Yeah, they're real simple. Well, simple Most two, the moon laid down the original track. Yeah. <laughs> That's you, Jay. No, and, that was uh, Omar at K Rock. Really? Yeah, that was because uh, we started this, I think, right around the time I left the station. So yeah. that was one of the last favors I was able to call. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm serious. My two-year-old is singing the truck show now. Well, I think we have a jingle. We have somewhere where we have uh, a, like a little boy. Scar- no, it was Scarred ha- for Life. It was Hannah yeah. Gonderman uh, saying the intro. Truck show, yeah. the uh, truck yes. show, the truck show. So I'm going to have to get Abby in here to yeah. uh, to uh, take over the uh, the torch from uh, from the Gonderman girl. Mm-hmm. So we have so much to get to. I um, I don't know if you know what Gail has been up to. If you guys don't follow... Uh, Banks Power or Gail's personal feeds on on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. You don't rest. That's the thing, Gail. Not even for a second. You don't rest. You should. You I should close my rest. eyes. You do. Yeah. But I don't think you actually It's sleep. not real restful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not done inventing. Last time that you guys spoke was at SEMA. I don't know. Did you touch on... Well, that's the last time we spoke for the podcast. Right. But obviously, uh, Gail and I, you know, we do a lot of breakfast and stuff. And I can mm-hmm. tell you that Gail's a wild man. Uh, <laughs> he will order a veggie omelet with chicken in it. Yeah, oh, well, you know, I mean, yeah, I swing. Yeah, every. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I could order breakfast. both ways. You know? <laughs> I could order breakfast with him. Now, who does a veggie omelet, but then adds adds meat to it? Uh, this man right here. Yeah, I didn't know you did that. Yeah. I don't and, think we've been out pr- to breakfast. I think it's lunch and plenty I, of dinners. Can I, I tell I, you the other thing? There's there's one other thing that 100 percent of the time, mm-hmm. other than coffee, that Gail orders with his breakfast. Uh, 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 some kind of fruit, some type of uh, like like a grapefruit or something. Orange marmalade for his toast or bagel. Orange, mar- you do? Oh yeah, <laughs> every time. Oh yeah. He has to ask the girl special at the place we go. Hey, here's the funny thing. They've right? got There's, it in the kitchen. They have it in the kitchen. Yeah. Okay. But there's new girls that work there, right? Mm-hmm. And most of them know us by now because we're pretty mm-hmm. regular when we go. And every and where, time, where are you going, by the way? Uh, Norm's Hangar, uh, outside Bracket Field in Laverne, California, next to uh, well, the actually, Pomona. Actually, Bracket. on the runway. On the runway. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's just a cool little old school like uh, airport coffee shop, and so we'll go there and we have our breakfast. But what's funny is the staff rotates a little bit, and every time there's a new person <laughs> who waits our table, Gail will ask that question already knowing the answer, and I just sit there and wait, and I'm going to go. She, is she going to say, um, no, we don't have that, because she's new and she doesn't know. <laughs> right. Otherwise, they see Gail and they're like, orange marmalade, right? And oh, I'm like, yeah. oh, all right, there's oh, your tip yeah. just went up. Yeah. So orange marmalade. So anybody, marmalade. yeah, if you ever uh, happen to catch Gail at breakfast somewhere, send over a, a toasted bagel and some orange marmalade, and yeah. you guys will be fast friends I've for never life. seen any orange marmalade within the halls here at Banks Power. Not a single jar. There's none. Is that by design? Would you eat no, it all? No, no, actually... I think Gail needs because some orange Gail, marmalade for his desk. It's a, it's a breakfast thing off premises. Okay, yeah. <laughs> off yeah. premises. Yeah. He doesn't like to wor- uh, mix work and pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of you, well, you probably don't know this that Gail has a mad sweet tooth, but he's not, he's not like a chocoholic, but just he, if there's he's like a wild animal though. If there if there <laughs> is sweets, wild man. <laughs> if there's sweets in this office, dude, he'll open drawers, cabinets, like he'll find it. There's no hiding it. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that sounds like your keys, actually. But I can turn uh-huh. that off. 
you know, it's, can you? Yeah. Did you know yeah. uh, I uh, defiled uh, Lightning's office again? Huh. <laughs> Yeah, there might you know, be uh, more than a few wieners yes, uh, drawn on yes. the, uh, no, no, the no. whiteboard. No, no, no. It goes beyond that. I started pulling drawers out of his desk and swapping them with other drawers. So. <laughs> oh, that's not <laughs> so cool. That's so wrong. So he's oh, not going to know cool. where his pens oh, or his God. keys are. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's already confused. <laughs> but this, his guys go, this is he's beyond gonna, the pale, He's going to be so mad. I'm like, yeah, but it's me. What's he going to do about it? Don't pile on, Gail. <laughs> Don't and, pile on. And then uh, Jay goes, you're just slowing me down. I said, I know. It's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's get into some uh, some Gail Banks conversation. I know at SEMA we talked a little bit about the diff cover. I think mm-hmm. that's huge. I want to talk a little bit about your YouTube video series, uh, you being completely unafraid to call out people um, and other well, companies. So this, well, this might be an interesting... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It might Not, be interesting. I don't do it arbitrarily. No, no. There's, oh, the know. data and the engineering, obviously, you being a huge data guy and engineering firm it's fascinating as you walk through each piece of the equation when you're when you're dissecting a product whether mm-hmm. it's your own or somebody else to see if they really perform the way that they're marketed and said to perform and i find that fascinating that you will you will supply this massive amount of data and walk people through and you're just going you're showing people what engineering is in a non-boring way the layman yeah. can understand all the work that goes behind, it's not we're putting on a four-inch exhaust and calling it a day. We are going to put thought into what we do, materials, shape, whatever, on whatever product you happen to have. It's, it's fascinating. Well, we're sitting in a room. You know, actually, we've created a negative pressure exhaust, and it's not a tuned header set. It's something uh, I'm working on another patent. Mm. I'm going to show you. And we can't really talk about it too yeah. much, but this is it right here. So there, well, there, there are two elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, not those over there. Okay, so just so, so you know, I am... <laughs> hey, wait, let me turn you down a little bit. I'm uh, talking through a massive... Uh, is it six-inch, five-inch? Five-inch. Yeah. Five-inch oval baked exhaust tip that yeah. I have put over the microphone. The outlet is almost as big Actually, as your Actually, that's a cool effect. Almost as big as my mouth, sir. Well, it's, it's almost as big as your face. You look at... Okay, how about this? I've turned it around. <laughs> that's a megaphone now. It's now a Banks megaphone. Attention, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. <laughs> this uh, is Sean Holman this... talking through a Banks chrome exhaust tip. You know, I think we should do the entire interview like this. <laughs> I don't think so. No? I don't think so. Okay. No. So, how about like this? No, no, enough okay, with that damn right, thing. Well, Give I it can, back to me. No, I want to hold it. They just got nice. fingerprints all over it now, oh, dude. Too bad this is, isn't video. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to no see it. No one okay. wants to see it. Yeah. It's chrome and they want to hold it. So, talk to me. What makes this uh, giant exhaust tip uh, unique and interesting? Other well, wait, than hold, before you do that, Gail, can we, can we talk about it or no? We can talk that. It, it exists. Okay. And we can say what it does, yeah. but we can't say how it does what it does. Okay, that's fair. Right? It's shape. Okay. Okay. All right. It's all about its shape. It's all about fluid dynamics. Rocket technology. You know, basically, when it comes to any exhaust system, any back pressure you can reduce goes all the way back to the exhaust manifold and consequently into the cylinder on the exhaust stroke, and it unloads the piston somewhat. Mm-hmm. Guys go, well, you, did, you you only removed a little bit. Well, you're talking about in, in, in diesel now, trucks. I'm, I'm going to take it one step further. In right. diesel trucks, you have a turbocharger, and it has what's called an expansion ratio in, in the turbine. High-pressure exhaust goes in, low-pressure exhaust comes out. 
the dip difference between those two is the expansion ratio. It's using energy in turbine to turbocharge the engine to mm -hmm. run the compressor. So if I drop a pound of back pressure after the diesel particulate filter, I get a pound of back pressure at the outlet, a reduction at the outlet of the turbocharger. But that's multiplied by the expansion ratio. So if you're running a 3.4 expansion ratio or a 4.0 expansion ratio, let's say it's 4.0, that one pound behind the turbine becomes four pounds of drive pressure reduction into the turbine. That's significant. That drive pressure reduction goes all the way back to the exhaust valves now. And if, if I'm dropping the pressure in the cylinder as the piston rises is created by horsepower drawn from the crankshaft. It's called parasitic horsepower. The crankshaft, I consider my power broker. On the firing stroke, the power stroke, we're putting money into that brokerage. Mm -hmm. And everything else that the crankshaft does takes that money out, that horsepower out. After all the, that parasitic use, like driving your alternator, your air conditioning system, the intake stroke produces a partial vacuum in the cylinder. That takes power. The compression stroke takes power. The power stroke is the only stroke that makes power and puts it into the crankshaft. Then the exhaust stroke takes a lot of power out. What's left in the crankshaft is your flywheel horsepower. That's the horsepower you send to the ground. If I get a pound of back pressure and it equates to four pounds of back pressure reduction in the exhaust manifold, that might be a 10 or 12 or 15% reduction in the pressure outside the exhaust port. Now, if, if you want to run at the same speed before and after you do the negative pressure exhaust, oh, by the way, the negative pressure is not a huge negative pressure, but there's no back pressure. I totally ha have created an exhaust setup that wipes all after the uh, all your after treatment and on Fords and on Chevys there's quite a bit of back pressure because they're mixing fresh air with devices or they're restricting the exhaust to do kind of a siphon thing where yeah. they pull in cold they're air intercooled exhaust yes, tips or whatever to minimize the temperature during regen of the uh, diesel particulate filter because the temperature coming out of the exhaust tip, I've I've seen trailers where the corner of the trailer is melted. Right. Yeah, Literally. We, yeah, no. We, oh, yeah. I, I, I a, mean, I'm not making that up. Yeah. I have a folder of those photos from uh, people from on people Facebook. From people on Facebook, mm -hmm. yeah. If you're running at the same speed and you reduce the back pressure, your mileage goes up. You don't have to put as much power in to get the same power out because you've reduced some of the parasitic. Or if you want to go faster on the same amount of fuel, that's what will happen. In other words, you can reduce the amount of fuel and maintain your speed, or you can use the same amount of fuel and go faster. Let me ask you this. So you, you've invented something that guys will potentially argue with you about because they don't really understand it. What is not, there is no argument well, here. No, no, no. Somebody I wives will. Well, let me start with this. They, so let guys me start. Let's, let's knock them out of the park right now. Right. Let's do it. Because I'm sick of these wives' tales. And... Wives' tales spoken with authority, man, I want to deck those guys. They're worthless. Yeah, there Here's are the a lot of guys line. that say, if you have a diesel particulate filter, nothing you do after it will 
at any performance whatsoever. It's a waste of money. Wrong. And they'll tell other guys that same thing. Based so now, on what? I'm just based saying, on based on what? So what I'm saying MF. is now now, <laughs> now I'm saying that now not only did you have to do the work to invent the the item, right? The exhaust, but now you have to convince those naysayers because they're so loud on social media that they'll try to suppress your voice. You're saying, "No, this is not just I I didn't just make it and and at and the say, end of the day, mm-hmm. I'm carrying a gun that's loaded and they're carrying a cap pistol shut up <laughs> i mean am i the only one that loves this as much <laughs> I mean, I, the bottom line is you do it on the dyno you measure the fuel in and the power out and you document it yeah that's what the hell you do then what happens so, though what, what's the next step when you have you put a truck on a dyno you've had a couple of trucks on the dyno uh from from guys that actually race mm-hmm. Griffin is one such such example. He's a guy that works for Precision Turbo. He's, he's a young guy, but he's pretty sharp, I, I think. And Very. he was here, and he saw a 17-horsepower gain on his truck. And on the exhaust system. On the exhaust system. Mm-hmm. And he stood there next to the dyno and watched the <laughs> tech, watched Jeff in engineering go through the test. And every keystroke that Jeff took, he, he, he watched. Monitored it, yeah. Yeah. And so he would go on Facebook, and he gets blasted now. He's like, guys, I don't know what to tell you. I saw I it. watched the whole thing. I watched every part yeah. of it. I watched no the calculations. Yeah. I wa- and, and guys are like, nope. I'm like, I, what do you do? I just, I guess you have to, because it angers me well, all the time. Well, you know? the, the, the world is, the, deal. the earth is flat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, the, it's, it's the, the round earth deniers. It's the same deal. I guess at, so. At the end of the day, some people, you just can't tell them. You tell them the truth. You document the truth. They don't care. Because to admit they're wrong is impossible. So I'm not going to try to convince them. Mm-hmm. I just want to present facts and how those facts were produced to the people who give a mm-hmm. shit, the people who are, are rational and open-minded. Yeah. The dynamometer, we can, in the case of Griffin's test, I wasn't there when that went down, but, but, I, but you you know, poured, our, our dyno is repeatable. We, you poured over the numbers. Yeah, I did go over the numbers, and I expected it, the results. We can do this on an engine dyno as well, and I intend to do it in the Killing the Duramax series. I, I intend to make that comparison so people can see it. We've rigged up a back pressure valve mm-hmm. so we can modulate the back pressure. But anywhere you remove a restriction in an exhaust system, there's an opportunity to reduce back pressure. If it's the tailpipe... With its air mixing device, that's a brutal back pressure thing, and you're, you're redu- reducing it. It talks back all the way to the exhaust valves and consequently to the cylinder. And we put pressure taps all the way. We measure the fuel flow. We measure the power output. We don't correct anything. We, we don't use, although, although correction factors are there, to compare different altitudes and different temperatures and different humidities. So there's a common standard. Most of the correction factors that are automated in uh, aftermarket dynos are for gasoline. Diesel correction factors take a lot of inputs to get the final output. I'd rather test under the same weather conditions at the same altitude on the same dyno and report observed horsepower. After all, Observed horsepower is what you get to use where you're at. Corrected horsepower is meaningless, 
meaningless. It's, the, it's theoretical. Unless you're under those exact, exact conditions, which means that most people aren't. You might as well call it theoretical. When you go racing, if we're racing at Pikes Peak and going up the mountain, as we go up the mountain, I know the power is dropping. And that's what you get. You have to contend with that. And that's what the beauty of the turbocharger and managing it and the intercooler really beautifully. But here we just want to compare one thing, back pressure reduction with stock back pressure on the same engine, on the same day, with the same dyno, with the same test methods. And if I present that to somebody and graciously lay out what the hell is going down and they still bluster and squeak and fart and carry on, <laughs> then fine, there's the door, adios. Right. Gail ain't got no time for that. No. Yeah. I think it's the confidence that also is kind of unnerving to people because, and the way the data is presented. It's not just, I mean, there is the data that he lays out, but there's also the Gale flair, okay? So it's, it's, you did, I didn't just beat you. I, I, I put your nose in, in the dog poo and then I kind of rubbed you oh, around no. a little bit. There's a little no, bit of no, that. I there is a little not. bit of that. That's not true. No, not consciously. Here, here's what I think. Here's what I think. Not consciously. I, think, I let the numbers speak, generally mm-hmm. speaking. I, but I am irked. I am irked because we all exist in an automotive aftermarket. We also, my company, exists in the automotive OEM market where the standards are much higher. Uh, and, and beyond that, we exist in the military vehicle OEM market, market and the standards there are beyond anybody's comprehension, but we're there. That brings us into, no, I want to dovetail right in because that gets us into tuning. And well, uh, I, I didn't get to. I, I want. I want to make a complaint. Okay, lodge a complaint. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, the thought complaint department is uh, with our friend uh, uh, Jay Tillis over there. So. Okay, so <laughs> Tillis is a complaint department today, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my complaint is this: guys in the aftermarket who are doing it kind of half-assed and jeopardizing the life of the vehicle cause warranty exposure. And the OEMs, they get pissed. It's when they start spending money replacing things that shouldn't be replaced, they don't want to spend that money. If you're a member of the aftermarket and you're listening to this and your customers are having warranty experiences because of your products, stop it. You're pissing me off because you're making all of us that try to do valid legal products or valid racing products for that matter but i'm i'm speaking to the legal right now the on highway stuff we all get painted with the same brush and that brush is held by the lowest guy on the ladder the worst products paint the entire industry and when i test products i'm trying i don't want to sound like a jackass here but (laughs) You've got I, us to, to do I, that. I, yeah, that's our job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to contend. We only got room for two jackasses on this show, Gail. <laughs> I, I got I to contend with negative uh, viewpoints. We deal with the OEMs. Yeah. We do engineering work for OEM companies. Right. And you have for decades. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell's going on with you guys? And I go, you know, if you, if you have a popular product and something fails and, and it's 
that type of product, it becomes the bank's product. Oh, the guy had a bank's tuner. No, he didn't. Ours don't fail that way. Yeah. You know, or we've built in failure proofing, what we call active safety. Mm-hmm. So, but the guy automatically assumes it must be a bank's. It's the Kleenex syndrome. You know, all, all tissue is Kleenex or was. Right. At one time. Right. Well, and so, all episodes of the Truck Show podcast are bad. <laughs> no, no <laughs> not just this one. This one. <laughs> <laughs> not this one. Well, okay, so that is what you, this happened recently. That's what Gail is speaking about, is that there's another company that, so Banks has a tuner for the EcoBoost, the EcoDiesel, the, the Duramax, and the Ford 6.7 soon, uh, coming coming soon for the Ram 6.7. And that's the, that's the Derringer. But, but okay. we have a Derringer for the Ford 6.7. And there's a lot of competition on the market. However, none of them do. And this is going to sound, I don't want to sound, so home and pull me back as I, as I sound, uh, as I, I have, start to sound like a know, shill. I have the fishing you know, pole in my hand, okay. and my hand is on the reel. So I get to sit back and, and watch Gail do his thing. And then when he does his thing, I try to bring it out to a wider audience. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm not doing the thing. Right. I'm just amplifying. You're the messenger. I'm the mega, no, I'm the Sean Holman with the giant, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, with, with, with the chrome exhaust piece. <laughs> I'm doing this right to the world. I'm taking that home, by the way. Right. I'm putting uh, it in no, my back you're pocket. Not. I think okay. that might be a one-off. <laughs> yeah. <a> prototype. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? I'm taking it home until my truck's done, and then I'll bring. I'll trade you guys back. How <laughs> no. about that? So the market leader in this area of tuning is the Derringer, uh, since it came out a year and a half ago. But then a lot of, there's other products on the market, and some of these guys do a damn good job of Facebook marketing, a really good job. And you and mm-hmm. I have met a couple of them in person, mm-hmm. and some of them are nice guys. But there is no real engineering behind it, and because of that. These things potentially can do some damage to your seventy thousand dollar truck, mm-hmm. but they're all. If you're if you're a novice to diesel or a novice to tuning, um, and you just you just want your truck to go faster or get better fuel economy, you might see this Facebook ad and a bunch of five star ratings and say, "Oh, I'm going to give this thing a shot. It's only five six hundred bucks," and you don't realize that if it what Gail's saying, um, that guy associates that crappy box. Right, that may be overfueling your truck, maybe causing high EGTs, um, loading up your DPF filter with soot. Okay, well, so let's, and, let's and all these things, and so banks gets painted. Not only does banks get painted with that brush if that crappy box fails, we now have to outmarket that guy that's right. already pretty good, and that is it's a, what a hurdle. That so I is. wanted to bring this up because uh, you guys recently uh, introduced a video, and I I watched the videos. I think they're pretty good. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and uh, that's flattering. Yeah, no, thank I, you. I think uh, Gail definitely pushes it over into the great territory, but uh, you know, Jay, your stuff's okay. Well, I'm not on. <laughs> I'm not on camera. I like the Mortal Kombat. That was that was nice. Oh, did you? Oh, okay, nice so uh, so anyway, what, what was fascinating with me on that video is how you guys picked apart the the marketing and the claims of the other product, of product X, and then showed same dyno, same day, your results. And, and really, I think, enlightened people to the fact that you may say 46 peak horsepower or whatever, let's say that, but it it lasts early in the power band, and it might last for two or three seconds, where you guys might have, on your product, 44 peak horsepower. A little less. Except it lasts for 20 seconds, the entire pull, and or you 30. never or we're, 30 we're, or whatever and, and you never warm. get into EGT danger zone. I got to I got I got to speak to this. Yeah, it's, it's fa- it was fascinating to watch how that other product would peak early and then it would die and fall on its face because what was happening is that tuner was putting the engine in danger and the engine was essentially going into safe mode and pulling back everything it did. So there's this momentary burst of power 
and then you actually got less power from then on because the engine had to re- go into recovery mode, whereas the bank's product would get up to a certain spot and it would plateau and it would hang in that safe spot the entire time. And I thought that was fascinating because I don't know that people... There's a difference between peak power and usable power. Well, it's drag race dyno test. Even guys with engine dynos, and especially guys with chassis dynos, do what's called a sweep. I come from about 60 years of dyno work, engine dyno work, and probably 50 years of... I, 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 I still have my old... 500-horse Clayton chassis dyno from way the hell back in the 60s. And, and just for those who don't know, a, a chassis dyno is where you're bolting the vehicle down to the ground. It's got a roller. Right. And the engine dyno is where the engine is out of the vehicle in a room. Right. And the engine dyno has no drivetrain. If there's any drivetrain is- issues, it will impact what gets to the wheels. Engine dyno, the dyno is hooked right to the flywheel. There's all this brag about... 5,000 horsepower diesels. And my question is, for how long? Uh, it seems to me I haven't seen a sweep test of less than eight, or more than eight seconds long. And most of them seem to be like five, six seconds. And that's it. I submit some of my competitors to test their diesel work truck products with a drag race sweep. And, of course, you go to the diesel competitions, and they'll have a chassis dyno built into a semi-trailer. And they drive the truck up on top of the semi-trailer and strap it down, and they do the same thing there. And, man, there's some catastrophic uh, engine failures that you'll see. Yeah, guy guy got but, lit on fire last year. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I often so, enjoy, so, uh, uh, try to avoid being lit on fire. fire yeah, well, <laughs> but, but yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> they, that's a good they, video. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fire is also funny. Uh, have you ever noticed? You know, fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, fire. Be, listen. Was that butthead or beavers? Uh, <laughs> I don't know which one. <laughs> <laughs> so fire. Yeah. Fire! 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 <laughs> so. It's all about the power number with those guys. It's like, I made this power number. Well, what can you do with that? Yeah, is it well, usable power? it's not a usable right. number. Are you going to tow a trailer up a grade with that? Well, or? first of all, it's not a durable number. Right. Uh, and I saw uh, one of the guys, uh, big on Facebook, big on YouTube, big in some of the diesel competitions, blow a Cummins apart. Let me, t- let, me, let me take it back even further. When I started screwing with top fuel, we were running a fueler in a drag hydroplane, a boat called the Crucifier. That's a bitchin' and, name, by the way. It was a great name. <laughs> and, and it did. I mean, we did some different things with a Chrysler Hemi head. This is back before the aluminum heads were available. Mm. We modified the iron heads, and I elevated the exhaust ports and had to change the valve cover gasket every round because there was no water jacket between the <laughs> top of the exhaust port and the gasket surface. Uh, yeah, it's a marine thing. You just d- dunk it in the water for a minute. <laughs> my throughput, uh, my, my cylinder fill went up so much that I had to double pump uh, the injector pumps. Oh, wow. Yeah. And What year was this? Like what? Oh, uh, God. Or what? I gotta say it's in the seventies. Okay, it's so like early seventies, mid seventies. Yeah, and and we were we dominated the class that season. I, I 
was racing with Peggy Brendel, who owned Hondo Boats, and Liz Christensen, whose husband Mac had been, been killed in Shockwave up at Oakland. His, so the, his 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 ability to recall names from forty I, and fifty years I ago honestly, is the craziest thing. I will see people that have emailed us, and then they say, "I'm so and so on like a direct message," and I'm like, "The guy sent you this email that we've read," and I'm like, "Will I remember? I will remember the email. Yeah, will not remember their name or who it was until right. I put it all together." No idea. No, this guy's got a photographic memory. No, I know. Anyhow. And half the time, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember your name. It's so crazy. I've walked. I've watched him. I'm bad with names. A guy walk in the door, and I go, Gail, there's so-and-so. And he goes, oh, yeah, we met back in like 79. He's like, how's your wife, Peggy? Does she still have the limp? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, my wife, Peggy, he's like, oh, she doesn't have the limp. That She had surgery that day. It's like, wait a minute. How do you know what? By the That's way, why, why does Peggy have to have the limp? Well, I don't know. It's just funny. Yeah. Drag leg or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. 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 I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> dragging, dra- dragging a dead wheel. <laughs> so. Uh, we're, 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 oh, you were talking about the uh, the boat. The boat. How did we get there? Uh, we started with uh, crazy claims and, and, and peak heavy, horsepower. Heavy well, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, and durability. Durability. So a guy invites me over to his shop, and I'm nosing around in the shop, and I see this 55-gallon drum full, full of failed pistons. <laughs> That's a lot of failed yeah. pistons. I mean, there was a lot of pistons in there. And I said, what's with, what's with these? He said, well, those are my trophies. I said, your trophies? Yeah, 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 I, I, I'm so serious that I break parts. <laughs> and, you know, essentially, I'm paraphrasing. And I kind of went, you're broke because Jesus you Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> you, you're, you're making trophies out of your failures? Right. What's that It's interesting that he didn't look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a guy who who nukes a diesel and and then puts it up on YouTube, of course, it's grand. I mean, you blow up an engine in a grand manner and there's fire and smoke and and there's compressor wheels shooting out the crankshaft. I think you're referring to Firepunk where he actually destroyed his dino cell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that too. (laughs) I'm naming no names. All I'm saying (laughs) is. You know, like we're killing the Duramax, and we're at, we're at seven, episode 11, nine. Oh yeah, seven hundred eleven horsepower so we're far. We're seven hundred eleven horsepower on a bone stock Duramax L five P long engine, and I'm going for eight hundred, and I'm actually going for more. But I, I want to find the limit and find out why it's the limit. I don't want to actually nuke the damn thing. I do. I know you do. <laughs> he also wants because, to take out your dinosaur. Because that so be makes it popular on YouTube. Well, I mean, but my my point is this: the guys will be dissatisfied if I'm a professional and I'm building engines and I'm blowing them up and I'm proud of it. There's something freaking wrong with me. That's not something you're proud of. Well, no. Well, and I, if that happens in three to five or seven seconds, how do you become a hero of the average guy driving a hot rod truck on the street? No, you know, I'm he wants is, some more oats. He, yeah. want, he wants it to do the number, but he wants it to do the number for 300 or 400,000 miles. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're, I think we're going to, we're going to wound the engine in its stock form. I, I, I don't, I think that we owe it to the audience to get to a point where in its stock form, we, we, we find it, out the it, limit. It breaks right? grandly. It's probably right. going to do that. Yeah. I hate cleaning up a 
Dino Oiled cell. up dino yeah. cell. That's what we have yeah. uh, Mike and Curtis and those guys for. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I hope they're listening. And a bottle guys. of Simple Green. <laughs> yeah. A bottle of Simple Green. 55-gallon <laughs> drum of Simple Green. Well, that's so been the, a, that's so been the a, bottom line yeah. is, the bottom, bottom line is, a valid dino run has to last as long as you pull with your trailer up the hill and doing it for a while. It, it has to last long enough for all the numbers to stabilize. And what Sean talked about a minute ago, on these late model diesels, most every one has an 800 degree centigrade continuous Dooney EGT limit built into the ECU. And that includes the eco diesel. It's right in that 1,475 Fahrenheit, 800C. And there's a little safety limit, but the turbocharger manufacturer will tell you, hey, you you can take an excursion to 1510 or so just momentarily, but don't go there and stay there. Second thing is the exhaust valves in the engine. Uh, they have a temperature, a sustained temperature limit too. So does the piston crown. These guys used to be able to get away with blowing black smoke, no DPF mm -hmm. to, to in the way, take all the, the catalytic equipment off, yep. and do it all day long. More recently, they have been poisoning with the soot produced with these rich high-temp mixtures. They, they've been poisoning the DPFs. They've been loading them up. And there's a DPF failure mode where in the substrate in the DPF, if you over-temp it enough, it starts to crumble. It starts to oh, wow. degenerate. And then it, you replace the DPF at a very high dollar. Yeah. You might, might get away with it at the agency one time. M maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. You mean at the, deal I, at the I just dealership? Don't, here's the deal. A lot of guys in the aftermarket aren't OEM engine manufacturers. They don't know the limits. We do know the limits because... That's where we live. Yeah, they, well, they, so, they don't have access to those numbers either. That's my point. They yeah. don't know the limits because they, they don't have the factory well, I mean, prints. you can't call up Borg We're, Warner and say, how hot well, can I make this? You can. Well, it, it, well it, I can't. Gail can. Yeah. You know, yeah. But you, actually, yeah. it's funny. You might not be able to. I bet I could. Do you think so? Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes. So the bottom. I know somebody. The, the bottom line here is, how much power can I make that's durable? Not this sudden toy boy, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Toy racer. Yeah, boy racer, very good. The sudden boy race, racer num number that drives each. Imagine these guys. The factory has this 1,472-degree limit. If it sees more than that, it takes out its own fuel. Mm -hmm. Now, you're putting in fuel while yeah. it's taking out fuel. Right. That's the war I'm talking about. That's the mortal combat. Yeah. It's mortal combat because there's going to be a mortality, and it's going to be your— turbocharger or your dpf or or your engine right factory's reining your ass in it's it's, it's taking it away from enough. you yeah. yeah so the eco diesel yep. three liter has that same feature mm -hmm. uh the ford 67 l5p duramax and i would argue argue the earlier duramaxes mm -hmm. all with dpfs we want to tune to that number and then stay there and never violate that number. Now, you only go there when, when you're at wide open throttle and taking advantage of our power. But if you do that on a grade and you leave, leave the loud pedal on the metal, I don't want it breaking. 
We need a shirt that says that, by the way. Even the loud <laughs> pedal on the metal. Yeah. yeah I mean, they, I just, I, I don't want to be buying you an engine. Therefore, I can say this honestly, I'm willing to buy you an engine, but I've ne- never had to prove up on that because I, we're, we're just not doing I, I well, don't want to. I well, don't want to violate you, the host you're, you're, vehicle. So you're designing. You've done this all the way back to the Auto Mind. O T T O M I N D. Auto Mind. And then guys didn't get the joke for Auto. Right, yeah, auto and Nicholas yeah. Auto invented yeah, was, the four-stroke engine. Yeah, little, little and, auto cycle. My, my controller 21, 22. We actually started developing the Auto Mind about 25 years ago. But so my point so, with the Auto Mind is that it had safety features built in way, way back, back then, then. Way yeah. back then, and still today. Yeah. You'll find, like I said, those same guys on Facebook uh, or wherever the ads are, no safety features yeah. because it's it's frankly it's too expensive, yeah. or they don't have. Or they the, don't know the, the technical capability. They don't. They can't do all it. All right, can we? Oh, we got a couple uh, questions yeah, here. Heck, I'd love yeah. to. Uh, yeah. All right, ask these. So here we go. Um, how about this one from Ron Aldo? How has he not fired lightning yet? <laughs> oh, don't come <laughs> at right, me like that, right dude. There. And then somebody else, just because I think that's funny, said. What did you see in Lightning that said, I've got to get this guy on my team? But then he says, joke, seriously, yeah, I can't wait for this episode. No, no, he's serious. That sucks. <laughs> all the questions are about tolerating Lightning. <laughs> I get a lot of them all the time, so I, I, I can commiserate. It makes me feel great. <laughs> I feel great. All right, how about this one from uh, from Justin Dollar? No questions, just want to hear more stories of how he helped to develop new vehicles, also how he got into military contracting. Oh. That's, sort of, that's, that's a loaded question. Yeah, but I can answer it. Okay. Mm-hmm. How did I get into military contracting? Mm. Well, we were in the marine engine business, and, and we have a Navy. And uh, let me think about this. This is mid-'70s, because I sold my first engine to the Navy in 1976. Actually, a pair of engines. And it was to... Uh, they reached out to you, or you reached out no, to them? No, they reached out to me. Okay. Uh, we, we had been, by the mid-'70s, we had been running endurance river racing all over the world. We'd been doing pretty good in APBA racing, both high RPM, non-turbocharged stuff, uh, and then moderate RPM, heavily turbocharged stuff. So we were, we were known in the worldwide boat community. In fact, uh, we had engine licensees. In other words, people who built our engines, uh, we sent them the pieces and what have you and, and not built them, that represented in our product line to the boat building industry in their region. We had uh, Kanak, Matin Kanak in Istanbul and Colin McCaskill in Southampton, England, and John Hamilton in Christchurch, New Zealand, even Reggie Fountain, uh, Fountain Power Boats, which his son or grandson still runs. They built badass boats on the East Coast. I mean, badass. And he, I sent him kits, uh, and Reggie had a guy who'd just gotten out of prison who was a really good engine guy, uh, and he helped him with his recidivism problem. <laughs> <laughs> Had a lot of time to study engines. You know, the guy was a cool guy. <laughs> so I, I would send him the rotating assembly, and they'd do the block, and I'd send him the heads and all the turbocharging and all the marine gear, and they they would build the engines. They had fountain on them, and they had banks on them. That's awesome. That yeah. is cool. That was cool. 
and we supplied a lot of boat manufacturers in the Florida area. <laughs> we also supplied the guys who – some of those boat manufacturers uh, – were in the drug trades uh, <laughs> obliquely. Uh, you mean, you mean a, they paid uh, me for my engines with cash? Pharmaceutical logistics? Yeah, <laughs> pharmaceutical and weed <laughs> logistics. Even now, wait a Bales minute. Bales of stuff. I know you're good about to gloss over this. Hold on a second. <laughs> I want to. What's the most cash that anyone's handed you? Like physically, where you open a briefcase and there it is, or some kind of a bag. And did you have to blow on it first to make sure it was clean <laughs> before? So we got to go back to the the, the, the engines value or cost at the time um we had an 850 horse which was very popular and these were top dollar like you you didn't make bottom of the barrel engines like these were the guys would be like when i can afford a banks engine that's what i'm going to get we were the performance standard of the worldwide marine industry for 20 some years and they weren't diesel they were twin turbo liquid intercooled gasoline Big block Chevys. And the guy rolls up and he hands you how much cash? You got to remember this. It had to have made it was an a impression. Three, it was a three-engine boat. And he won. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Let's start with it was a three-engine boat, two aft, one forward, with a prop shaft between and three stern drives. Oh, my God. And, and, and it... Uh, and I saw 850 this. horse. Was it on Each? the? No, no. He went with the 930s, the <laughs> the offshore racing engines. Okay. So okay. Uh, was this? Uh, would it be the Florida side of the world? Or? Yeah, it was Florida. <laughs> and here's the deal. My old man was uh, on the LA police force yes, at the time. Uh-huh. And he, <laughs> just, he's not, he's going to avoid the how much cash thing. Isn't and well, he? he's going to First of all, these guys who's listening. These guys built boats in Florida. They'd have an overhead, like a tin roof, and no walls. I mean, it's like they didn't need heat. They didn't need cool. If the wind blew through, I, I don't know what it they did. the shop. Yeah, it cleaned the shop. Anyhow, big V-bottom, three-engine, three times 930 horsepower. Those engines were nominally $32,000 a piece at oh, the Lord. time. That'd be uh, 2,790 horsepower. Yeah. Yeah, it's not an impressive number uh, t- today, but bear in mind those engines would live forever. Uh, so guys would race an entire season and never pull the engines out of the boat. That's that's why APBA banned turbocharging for twenty some years because nobody else figured it out. We had a handle on the it. The banks rule. They got rid of us. So same not, same not, thing with top fuel. Right say, in Wally the only Park's time office. That yeah. yeah, yeah, we got it. We never got got to do the top fuel thing. Damn Although turbocharging degenerate, we, we built the car and we took laps and we we were closing in on it. That's a, the Wally Parks story is another story. Back to the boat engines. So my old man's with me, and the guy pays me in cash. Uh huh. And I can still see the bre- the black briefcase. Are you married nice. at the time to Vicky back then? Yeah. And then how did did you even tell her? <laughs> oh, here it is. She did the books. Oh. <laughs> Where's the money for those engines, yeah, Gail? Yeah. Well, uh, I only got, I only got, got two oh, of I them. gave him a discount. <laughs> yeah, 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 but here's the case. Hey, every man needs walking I around I gave him money. a discount for cash. No, I never. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, so We've been married 50, going on 51 years this August. Wow. Yeah. So to have, you don't lie to your wife. <laughs> no. So, so the guy gives you... Almost a hundred grand, over ninety grand in cash. Yeah. 
And, and Did you we, have the, Were you like, like, like Bugs Bunny with with the uh, the dollar signs that popped up in your eyes? No, he started my looking old, over his shoulder, going, man. "How am I gonna get this home?" Uh, uh, on the way back to the motel, did you handcuff the briefcase to your wrist? Uh, no, <laughs> my old man was packing. <laughs> so, so the the bottom line being, that's ba- what Grandma said. You got it back. <laughs> 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 oh, you guys! Wait, Is this bar talk? Wait a minute. So, there we go. I'll be here all night. The, my old man says. Did you check out the the bow that the the deck the? I said what? He said, "What? Did you see the size of the hatch on the deck?" <laughs> and there was no no cabins, no nothing. It was like like a freighter inside there. <laughs> I said, "What are you saying?" He goes, "This thing is a dope boat." <laughs> and I said, "You think?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him, I sell the same engines to the Coast Guard. <laughs> Were they also, to God. Except the Coast Guard Honest could only afford on the on the contract yeah, the 830 yards. Yeah, 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 the 850s. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they come to you and say, uh, Mr. Banks, uh, what does the Coast Guard run? And you're like, oh, our 850. What do you have that's a little yeah, hotter yeah, than yeah, that? Yeah. And we'll need an extra one. <laughs> that's my Al Unser story. By the way, Al Unser, who- no, I'm talking senior here. Was it Junior who called you at SEMA? Junior. Junior. Okay. I was going to say, because we were sitting around and we were interviewing you at SEMA a couple years ago, and Al Unser Jr. pops up on Gail's cell phone, and he puts it to voicemail, <laughs> and Jay and I are laughing at each other, going, seriously, just hung up on Al Unser Jr. for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Al... No, he loves you. You, you, can, uh, okay. you can do no wrong. Right. You're, you're, you're good. Don't worry about that. Wait, do, do we answer the question about how did he get into military contracting? No, I, oh, I, oh, how I digress. <laughs> so we get a call, and it's, it's this cat in Virginia, and uh, not named Virginia, <laughs> in the Norfolk, Virginia uh-huh. area, and uh, he says. Uh, I'm with the Navy, and uh, we want to, you know, to develop a high-speed boat. Do you think he's pulling your leg, or did you know who he was? I had no idea who he was. Mm. Uh, I will tell you. Was it just a phone call? Because it was a phone call. Because I'm thinking back then, right? Oh no, you uh, you wouldn't have have no email. You wouldn't have any verification or anything like that. It's just a cold call. That's that's what I'm saying. Because just some dude goes, "I'm from the yeah." From the government, and uh, we want engines. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then a big truck shows up. Beep, beep, beep. It sometimes, sometimes I didn't get those calls. They were filtered by my guys. Oh, interesting. Like the guy, Bob Chandler, who was building the first Bigfoot monster yeah, truck. absolutely. And he was running Fords, and he wa- wanted to know if our marine turbo system for a Ford 460 uh-huh. could be put, put on. And my guy told him. We're not interested. We just do. <laughs> oh. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, about, sorry to play this again, but. About a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And fire. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting off. I know, but here. people love hearing your story, so yeah. I, we're, we're letting you go. A couple well, of years later, he Chan- powered, he Chandler. powered monster trucks. Yeah, Chandler yeah. found me at SEMA and said, hey, Gail. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? He told me the story. I said, I never even knew it. <laughs> oh. Luckily, the guy had left. You know, he no longer worked here. But oh my God, uh, the sales prevention department <laughs> yeah, yeah. left the building. You never want that. 
So I get this call from the Navy. Guy wants two engines. It, they have to run on 84 octane. Mm-hmm. I'm going, oh. We had Chevron Custom Supreme. It was like a 102 octane mm-hmm. pump. I mean, Jesus, 84 octane, where do I buy it? How do I test the engine? Yeah. And why would they want to run it like that? Because they're in austere environments where a high octane probably wasn't available. Oh. You know, like third world environments? Gotcha. Or maybe places like Grenada, <laughs> uh, which happened. Yeah, around that time. Yeah, <laughs> after we shipped those engines. Interesting. We've got pictures of those engines somewhere. They were they were painted gray, as I recall. Everything mm. was gray, gray and underway. Yeah, and I'm not sure they. Those were my they, navy they, friends. I don't think they were stern drive. I think they were uh, either direct drive or B drive setups. I think it was the Frogmen. Mm. And uh, you know, funny that after all these years, you still don't quite know. You sort of have an mm-hmm. uh, an idea of where the engines went, but you don't. Fully know exactly. Well, I found tell? out. I found out the name of the guy who who took over that unit. Know, I guess it was a new unit that they, mm-hmm. they he was forming, and I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna say his name. No, I wouldn't. But he's he's done a book about it. Very cool. Uh, we so can read between the lines. Yeah, our association with the military uh, started there. Started with boats. Yeah, forty three years ago. Forty four oh years. Oh my gosh. Ago. Yeah. Can I, there's one thing I want to ask you military related that I was always really impressed with. Currently you supply uh, Banks versions of the Duramax Mm -hmm. to the JLTV program. Yes. And as one of your, um, I guess, milestones that you had to prove capability, durability, all that kind of stuff against, was it three other competitors or two other competitors? No, there were seven to begin with. Seven. Okay. That were fielding vehicles. Yeah. We started helping or offering uh, our engine to four of the seven. One of the engines we were modifying for the customer was a Cummins yeah. four-cylinder. So one of the things that impressed me is is finally when the program went, I guess, declassified and you could talk about it and mm-hmm. was announced and, and the, um, the production was awarded, there was a piece in there about the durability that the military asked for what the competition did to that number and what you guys did to that number. I think it was like hours at like full wide open throttle. Yeah. And there's some ridiculous, the, the, the margin. The other, the other two didn't even meet the, the government requirement and you guys were so far surpassed it, it was. That, that's when it was down to three. That, that's what I was that, thinking, okay. That was the final round. Everybody got a funding to build 22 trucks. Two of them were to be nuked you know, blown up yep. uh, to check that. And the 20 were, were, were to be tested. And the te- testing was was done, seems like it went on for a year or more. Oh, my gosh. The, the whole competition lasted right at 10 years before we got the award. And there's still controversy when you got the award. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Lockheed Martin, uh, who had come in second... Uh, contested the award. Now, forget the fact uh, that we were five times more reliable. Yeah. The margin than, was like five times more than the next guy, and the next guy yeah. either barely surpassed or didn't surpass the milestone in terms of durability. I can't remember what those numbers were, but I remember at the time you and I talking and, and being incredibly impressed with how the margin was so massive. Yeah, you know, I, I we're ran... We're talking a, about hundreds of hours, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, 
between vehicle crippling yeah. failures. In other words, you, you you're can't, done. Yeah, you're done type of failures. The minimum. He's scrolling through his phone here. Well, yeah, see. the minimum was like, here it is. Boom, I got it. Perfect. Okay. I was looking at so a graph. This, this on his is phone. called mean miles between operational mission failure versus vehicle type. So you had the Humvee, uh, which was in the fleet, and there were hundreds of thousands of them. 6.5 powered, right? Yeah. The Humvee, around 2,500 hours. So it was the standard. The minimum requirement was about 2,200 hours. Uh, the Oshkosh Banks vehicle did, uh, I think it's 7,200 as I, the, the graph, the graph is not that granular. Yeah. And, and then the last place. 7,200. Uh, 7,200 hours, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah more than uh, double. Yes. Yeah. And then let me. Almost get, triple. Almost triple. Almost triple. Let me get Of what a Humvee that. would do. Uh, Lockheed was about uh, twelve, thirteen hundred hours. And womp, 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 womp. <laughs> AM, AM General, who makes the Humvee, uh, it's four or five hundred hours. So Lockheed and AM General did not meet the basic requirement. And you guys we were roughly five times more reliable than, than they were, and almost three key. times than the yeah. uh, standard. Uh huh. Which is which to me is is amazing. I mean that well, goes back to you guys being an engineering company. We first had zero and, engine failures uh, in those uh, twenty two trucks. And of course, the Duramax is a great platform to build from. You guys do a number of uh, different parts and subsystems that you bolt on that makes it a Banks Duramax. But yeah, it's and it's, it's even more. We supply even more to the factory. On the L5P, yeah, uh, than we did uh, on the previous LML-based engine. Does it does it absolutely kill you when guys will say that? Uh, oh yeah, it was just a, the lower lowest bidder always wins those military contracts, and of course they're the same guys that buy the crappy tuner and everything else. <laughs> but I just I'm like, if you if you only knew, if you dudes only knew how much we weren't the lowest bidder. I know that. Yeah. We were the but ten years. You hands. think about you got the contract, but ten years but we, of investment. But, we, but yeah, ten years of investment. First of all, which is all backwards. Yeah, I, I haven't even earned that back yet. Yeah, and we've done over eight thousand engines. You'll probably be ten years. We haven't into made production. a dime yet. Yeah, you know, and guys go, oh, Banks has a way about him. He wins those co- contracts with his charm. <laughs> well, no, no, it I don't work that I, way. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gail does not golf, by the way. Like, I mean, he does, he's not hanging out on the golf course going, hey, how's that contract? Can or, I have or have charm by right. that method. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. Now, we, we have some really good right. questions. Wait, wait, wait. There Thank we go. You. Thank you. <laughs> if I can get a third one in there today, I'll be yeah. happy. Oh, we actually have some really good questions. Um, mm-hmm. There's a few that I, like, I don't know what to ask you first, but I'll go down the list here. Um, Matt Erb says, says, I know he's a big fan of the Duramax engines, but what's your take on the Ford 6.7 Power Stroke? Okay, so I'm a big fan of all right. diesels. Yeah, and I know that, and, and Jay knows and, that. And I'm an even bigger fan of something called a turbocharger. Yeah. That's my life right there. Forced induction yep. is what I do. Yeah, you're not and a Duramax pushing guy. Pushing forced induction into yeah. the future. I'm not a Duramax no. guy. I'm a turbo diesel yeah. guy. 
So, and speaking of the six seven, I remember when you had one of the very early. They call it the Scorpion, mm-hmm. and you had a very early development engine that was in the shop. That you were one of the first people outside of Ford to even have one. So the guys at Ford, I don't know that people understand you have that relationship. There, there, were, there were two guys at Ford. Um, one uh, kind of the o- overall all responsibility for the engine, and, and then a uh, guy from Australia who was kind of uh, the upper end. The cylinder heads and turbocharging he that was his specialty i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say their names but they had an off-prem location where they tested and tore down and examined and dealt with their program the guy that ran the overall th- thing i guess they were they were benchmarking the duramax i don't know that as a fact because he mm-hmm. told me yeah and they were torn down duramaxes there and they were and they were running durability against the duramax and the, here's the point. I was invited to come by and comment on what they were doing on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. And my payment was a bowl of chili. <laughs> <laughs> At a damn good chili place. <laughs> They're uh, Dearborn adjacent. Mm-hmm. So cool guy. He'd worked for Cosworth oh, okay. prior to doing this diesel. So he's familiar with force there's induction. Some, there, there's some Cosworth elements. Mm-hmm. You know, you see some Cosworth in that engine, in the architecture and the way the oil drains back from the cylinder heads and this and that. It's a smaller bore, longer stroke, uh, has a lot of dedicated castings uh, that aren't easily changed. It's a hot V, so it's got the turbo in the V and the intake ports on the outer by the way, much like your new Cadillac. Exactly like my new Cadillac, <laughs> only I have two turbos in the V. So, so the, um, it was the same, only different, so to speak. They took a different approach. Right now, they're the kings. They yeah. have the highest horsepower and the highest torque, although I think Cummins has got them on the... There's a war going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we can't say what Cummins has going on because but, I know there's room and, in the and, and, yeah. and then Cummins... Now, I've addressed Ford. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, they gave me an engine. I finally got an engine. Uh, I have a pre-production engine. And uh, we look, looked at putting that in the JLTV. Mm-hmm. Uh, the width was just a non-starter. The oil sump on the Ford integrates some high-pressure oil passages and other things um, that made it hard to modify to fit with that big-ass front diff. Yeah. That's in the JLTV, right. and uh, and I mean, our sump design just hugs that diff. But Cummins, I'm down in Long Beach at a Dodge dealership. I'd been invited down there uh, uh, by some diesel enthusiast group to talk about diesel and what we do. And uh, this would be around 2000 or so. Okay. And um, this guy was there uh, who doing a Cummins presentation. And this is pre the introduction of the common rail Cummins 5.9. I watched his presentation, a great engineering-oriented presentation, sharp guy. Turns out he ran the Cummins Skunk Works and sat on the board of directors of Cummins Engine Company. Seems to be important. And uh, John, is, it was his name. I, I, I don't want, want to give you the full name because he might not want that out there. He said, 
I'm, I'm going to stick around and... Uh, By the way, we're just talking to Gail today. Yeah. Gail B. <laughs> oh, Gail, Gail B. <laughs> so John says, mind if I stay and see your uh, presentation? I said, boy, I'd be honored. Yeah, hell yeah. Do you mind operating a projector for me? <laughs> Put him to work. I forgot my clicker. Uh-huh. And he says, okay. Uh, tell me tell me, you, you did the spitball on the lens so it bubbled up on the, uh, on the no, screen. I, just, no? I would just go like this for the, <laughs> give him the finger away. So index finger, guys. Uh, and, Thank you for and, the clarification. And, and basically, afterwards, he's helping me pack up. And uh, I said, so um, what do you do at Cummins? He told me. I went, Oh my God! What a magic job! So you're you're working on the future B engine, huh? Mm-hmm. He says, "Yeah, and we're doing a V8, V6 thing." And I went, "Wow!" Well, I got this streamliner, and at the time, the record for diesel at Bonneville was like 270. And I said, "I want to be the first guy to go 300 with a diesel. Are you interested in that?" He said, "I'm very interested in that. We have a new." V8, you know, yeah. I'd love to showcase that. I said, well, how about I come back? He says, okay, come back on Friday. You know, you can do a lunch hour presentation to the 102 people that are working here. They called it Ole, this old Olympic trucking building about four miles out of Columbus. So I was in Ole about Mm -hmm. three weeks ago. Ah, okay. And and had a chance to see... um, in fact, I, if you remember from SEMA this year, Mopar had the Lowliner, which was an old Dodge A-series truck. Yeah. Uh, or D, I'm sorry, D-series truck that they put a 24-valve uh, potential Mopar crate engine Cummins 5.9 yes. in it. Yes, But with an 09-era ECU running it all. Sure. Uh, or a modern ECU for that engine. I can't remember what the mix was. Anyway, they, they did it in D006, which was development truck number six that mm-hmm. Cummins still owns. Well, only yes. did all of the fab work to do the engine swap so mm-hmm. i had a chance to drive the truck and and got to see Oli the work from the guys at Oli sure. uh, firsthand and we just had our cummins episode part one and part two and we talk about Oli in there so it's kind of funny full circle with gail uh, mm-hmm. talking about cummins and you ever meet Oli. mike ruth mike ruth i don't know i don't think so uh, he was he was uh combustion engineer okay. there i uh, love the guy bright people Oli. yeah i mean cummins is great uh, david coberline he kind of was running the v8 program at the time Mike went on to run the the entire dyno facility mm. there, which burns millions of gallons of y- diesel y- a yes year. Yes, it does. <laughs> I can't I can't I can't remember how many dynos. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's probably you know you think of all the fuel that goes in that place, especially you and I were talking at breakfast the other day. Mm-hmm. There uh, was it the was it a quad turbo V sixteen, their ninety five liter. That was, you know... What did he say the fuel consumption on that thing was? Oh, it's ridiculous. A couple episodes ago. Anyway, it was, it was cool. So another, another story. I was, was hired by the Army twice to, uh, to consult on the repower of some of the Army vessels. Okay. Uh, the saltwater vessels. Uh, one's the LSU-2000, which is uh, a landing ship, mm-hmm. so to speak, but it's huge. Uh, I think it's close to 190 feet or whatever. Uh, and it had those engines, those V16, two, two of them for mm-hmm. main propulsion. Those are big mothers. <laughs> yes, they are. And all the engines, there were five diesel engines. Uh, one was a fire service engine. Uh, two were gen sets. Uh, the fire, fire service engine also ran the bow thruster pumps. Okay. And then there was one generator, uh, actually six, but one was a standby engine. 
I did this with Battelle out of Columbus, Indiana. Columbus, Ohio, I should say. Sorry, Battelle. What a cool place Battelle is. Uh, they run a lot of our nuclear facil- development facilities around the country. It's, it, it's the only uh, company, private company, with a nuclear reactor on its property. <laughs> really? And that's, they're right next to the university. Interesting. So anyhow, back to the Cummins. In this lunch, I get to know a lot of people. Then we go and we look at the V8s, and there are two, only two of them that, that they had running. There are only two. And then and as we talked— Yeah, people don't realize that was the 5-liter V8 that is, eventually went into the Nissan, but it was actually a joint venture with NREL, right, at the time in the early 2000s. That engine had been around for quite a while before it ever found its way into a vehicle. Very long time. Yeah. I understand this is like 2000 and, well, yeah. 2001. Yeah, the architecture of that engine was over 10 years old when it, when it found its way into production finally. And they had tried to shop that engine for a while. Well, if it was that old, they should have had more of them. They only had two of them. Well, so, what I'm saying is at the, you were early, mm-hmm. the engine that people came to know. Oh, the before Nissan. they had yes. a customer. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. In fact, they mentioned Nissan on one of my visits. I'm going, who are you going to sell these to? Yeah. Well, Nissan's right down the road. I saw Ford vehicles there. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. there were others. Yeah. Because uh, Ford... Uh, yeah has had a, a kind of tenuous relationship with Navistar. Right, and that was at the time with six-liter stuff was blowing up, and they were potentially looking at other partners, and Ford eventually went internal yes. to do their diesel development. Yes. But I know that they had Which looked, was a very good move. I think there was even like rumors like John Deere, and there were Cummins, and that Ford was shopping some of these big names mm-hmm. to, uh, to partner with. One of my marine engine things for the Army, I specified a modular warping tug. John Deere. Mm. What fine-looking marine engines they've got. <laughs> yeah. Say Who that again? Knew? Modular warping tug? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, uh, they, I, bought op- one, I bought one the other night. No, 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 no. no. They're, opening. they're opening up for somebody. Oh, modular <laughs> warping tug? Yeah, they're What's banned. It? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're it's the Sahara stage at, the Coach- at uh, Coachella. You're thinking yeah. of a different kind of tug. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, nasty, nasty thoughts. So then, so this John guy taps you ultimately Oh, okay. To- so I, uh, I finally, I, I say to the V8 guys, Let's see the, what you're doing with the B engine, you know, the inline six. And they show me the common rail. And I'm going, oh, this is cool. This is going to revolutionize combustion in those engines. I mean, revolutionize it. That's why, why I got to know Mike Ruth pretty well in the process, talk, talking about the combustion process. I meet back with the guys kind of in the afternoon, and I go... You've only got two of the V8s. You don't have a customer for the engine. We don't know if you got a girl or a boy. Mm-hmm. You've only been to around 300 horsepower, and yeah. we don't want to go out there and break. Yeah, I love the concept. I love the looks of the engine. Yeah, but you have a customer for the inline six. You're you're not doing too well with it at the current time. They didn't have the new pickup out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were basically building new 72 Dodge pickups. Mm-hmm. And uh, so how about we try to supercharge your, the stock? Because the st- stock of Cummins was, was down around $26, $27. And I said, how about we, we do the inline six and build you some market and build you some stock value? And, of course, John was a... He was, a, he was a goer. He was on the, yeah. oh, was he, on the board. And all the guys right. in the room on yeah. coming stock. Yeah. 
the V8 guys, some of them got out uh, up and walked out of the meeting. Yeah. They were pissed. Yeah. And because um, they were wanting to see their baby yeah. shine. Yeah. The inline six guys said, we have no money. We're on hard times here at Cummins, but we'll give you some used dyno engines and advice. So that's what we did. And they actually put together the first long engine, put a larger turbo on it, got Bosch to do larger injectors. And we've been, we, we've been involved with Bosch also since 1976 on different matters, gasoline, Volvo. Uh, we did a, we prototyped the turbocharging for Volvo back then. Very diverse, and, uh, this man. So, yeah, right? so they supported us. They sent us an engine that made 402 horsepower there, made 405 here. We knew our dynos compared. Uh, and I was quite proud that my dyno compared with those that Cummins engine. Right, company. absolutely. Uh, we've also had comparisons with Ford and with various divisions of GM through the years to be, really benchmark our yeah, dyno sure. accuracy. So I said, how about we do a pickup truck program while we're at it? Not the streamliner. Yep. The pickup truck record then was mine at uh, with GMC. Uh, we with did the cyclone, right? The cyclone program yeah. before it was called the cyclone. Yeah. We did a two-year program at Bonneville. Ran a V6, no turbos, uh, buzzed the snot out of it, five liter, uh, and went 194 two-way with a 199 one-way, pecking at the pistons. And the next year, we came back and ran uh, 204 two-way and a 210 one-way. That was one square truck. Yeah. <laughs> Literally Talk about yeah. no freaking arrow. Yeah, right. Uh, so I knew that I had to go over 210. I think that my goal was to go 212 two-way and beat the 204 two-way significantly. Mm -hmm. And I was going to do it in a Dakota. I was going to do, you know, kind of the Pontiac GTO thing. What's, what was that cat? DeLorean. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's the father of the uh -huh. big engine and the lightweight car thing at Pontiac. Ever heard of him? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh -huh. saw a documentary recently. Uh, you did. So I, I said to the guys, the guys at Cummins loved it. And I said, fat man in a little coat. <laughs> <laughs> and man, we cut a hole in the firewall of that Dakota, the engine room. Was it a foot into the? And you drove it on a hot rod power tour, and didn't it was get a fully finished interior. Yeah. Moved the instrument yep. panel back to accommodate, extended the steering mm -hmm. column. It was a extended cab, so we could yeah. move the seats back. Better arrow with the extended cab as well. Mm -hmm. So we towed our trailer to Bonneville. The Cyclone arrived in a trailer. We arrived pulling a trailer. Uh, with all our pit gear and our workshop in it. And then we rigged the tr truck. We made nine passes. Every pa pass was a, a record. So, to, And uh, finally, we destroyed the quick change uh, on our final pass. Wasn't the engine. Wasn't the no. engine. <laughs> no, we just killed the quick change. Uh, the engine made 735 horsepower uh, at about 2,800 RPM. Which is still uh, a respectable number today. Yeah. We were out of turbo. But we had a huge turbo. Yeah. We used a variable geometry class 8 engine, you know, a semi-engine Was that the turbo. early days of VGT turbos? Very early. Yeah. This, 
this one had an air brake pressure actuator on mm-hmm. it. So we had to create air brake pressure on the Dakota to run the <laughs> turbocharger. Well, we built we built our own electronics, standalone variable geometry control system, which I had to commercialize, where guys are building diesel hot yeah. rods with VG turbos. Yeah. That would open the door for No one's doing it yet. No one's doing it. We ought to do it. Uh, you heard it here first. Don't do it. Gail's going to. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can try. Yeah, I, I, but then I, he'll uh, just beat you. I have another question here from our friend Walter Cheney. He wants to know who really killed Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> Walter, uh, there was a line. <laughs> there was a line outside the prison. They told him, "You all go home. We've got it handled." Yeah, yeah right. So, so let me let me give you the punchline on this. We went two twenty two with that Dakota. Yeah. And it was when I remember we, it was a big deal. It was the fastest. <laughs> it was the fastest vehicle. Okay, that's enough. On the hot rod power <laughs> tour that year. Yep, that's a so. that's a hell of a number in a pickup truck. Also too. on the power tour, I had a former 454 SS. Uh, I think it was a 90 with a 1115 horsepower twin turbo mm-hmm. small block in it. We never did know how fast that thing was <laughs> and then we had three full-size trucks a chevy a ford and a, a dodge on the power tour so we had five trucks making a statement yeah yeah four of more diesels it was a statement year for uh, for banks yeah. frank uh, tanika says what project product etc was your one that quote-unquote got away the one thing you wish you would have seen to come for uh, to fruition in your 62 years of banks power nothing has gotten away because i'm still here oh Listen, that's a pretty good answer. There's nothing that's gotten away. There are things I put shelved because uh, we took like a 10-year hi- hiatus while we developed the military yeah. engine program. Yeah. But no, no, no. I'm healthy. I, I come. I, I work every day, man. So there, there, I, 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 I work Saturdays and Sundays. Yes, you do. So yeah. there's an interesting kind of thing that happened here. Um, is that we had a YouTuber that stopped by yesterday, and he was like, hey, you know what? He was, I forget how old uh, Eddie from Eddie's Life on YouTube. He's like, oh, my, my dad's got a bunch of Banks parts in his truck. My dad's got a bunch of Banks parts in his in his, uh, in his his Cummins-powered RV, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you know, when I got into the sport, um, I, I wasn't really, Banks wasn't a name that I that I was familiar with. So he was into some other, some other brands that kind of, so when Gail... And the team went after this military contract. It was kind of a vacuum, so to speak, for a while that allowed some weeds to kind of sprout up. And I think some of the younger guys came into that scene and didn't weren't as familiar as they should have been with banks. Yeah, we have a kind of a learning process this last year and a half or so teaching some of the younger guys. Now the the guys that are our age, actually, you know, yeah. whatever thirty five plus, whatever. But if you're twenty two, you may or may not have heard of banks. And, which is kind of weird because the company's been around so long and Gail's got such an interesting legacy. But it's, a, it's, it's, it's interesting. So we're speaking to a lot of young people right now and we're doing that on YouTube and, so, and you know, Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And so and Gail right now is reaching this, a new audience that's, he's kind of having, what's the return for it? Not a resurgence, but like there's a brand new audience that's finding Gail and, and, and Banks Power. Well, we're aiming in a different direction. Right. To me, the military engines... You want to talk about a durability thing? We got a lot of young military guys. Oh, popping uh, the hood of the JLTV, yeah. 
reading Banks, Banks 866T, yep. which is going to be really cool because yep. they're going to get out of the military and feel comfortable with that engine. Yep. And hopefully they'll want some Banks, you know, kind of like Harley, right? In uh, was it Vietnam or I don't know. Was it Vietnam where they went rode Harleys and came back? Yes, and, they had military Harleys. Yeah. yeah. World War II. And they were, they, and they were familiar with yeah. the Harleys and they came back and the first thing they did stateside is the, the, the Indian and Harley Duke out. What? A, right. Somebody should do a movie on that. Well, they did. It was a made-for-TV movie, right? Well, uh, or you being the sarcastic? world's fastest Indian. <laughs> yes. So Burt Monroe, okay, bike guys, this, this is one of the treats in my lifetime. We, we chipped in to rent a room for Burt at Bonneville. Really? Yeah. He was sleeping in the truck, you no know, so to wow, speak, cool. with his homemade trailer and all this <laughs> stuff. Burt built... That Indian, which I it was a twenties vintage yeah. Indian, in New Zealand, he cast his own high performance pistons for that engine, wow. molded them in the earth in the ground. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, wow. Honest to God, and he told me, I used thirty seven. I remelted thirty seven Chevy pistons. <laughs> they had the best alloy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. He was Kiwis live on the, this archipelago, you know, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. These two big islands and yeah. some other little, and they are isolated. Yeah, and they make stuff. I've been to New Zealand, and it is one of the most amazing countries you could ever visit. The people Amen. there are incredible. Amen. Incredible and self-sufficient. Yeah. So Bert comes over. He books passage on a freighter, what they used to call a tramp. And he's a cook. He's working in the kitchen for his passage. When they hit the West Coast, they start down Mexico, Ensenada probably. His bike is somewhere down in there. As they're unloading goods, they finally get to somewhere, Oregon, somewhere up there, and out comes his bike. That's when he left the ship. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, my God. He waiting for his bike he, to bu- he buys a junk car. I believe he built his own single axle trailer, put the bike on it. We are to Bonneville. We are pusses today. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? We are 100%. so soft. Oh, yeah. We are so soft. More ways than one. So here's the bottom line. The star. Anthony Hopkins. Did it for scale. He wanted to play Bert. Wow. Bert was that freaking cool. That's pretty cool. This guy was 72 years old when I met him. Ladies, man, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Everything in the movie except him going 200 yeah. is true. Wow. I mean, and he, and he didn't do it in one trip. He yeah. came repeatedly. Yeah. Now, next door to my speed shop on San Gabriel Boulevard in San Gabriel was Pierce Motors, Pierce Motorcycles. All Pierce did was, was build... New old stock Indian motorcycles, including the inline four cylinders mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Pierce was a team rider for Harley. They did him wrong, so he went to Indian and he beat Harleys. You know, they, they raced the hell out of motorcycles then as they do now. Sure. He's right next door. So guess where Burt Monroe stayed when he came to the United States? Next door at your speed shop. Yeah, and the, and the guys from Pierce's would go to Bonneville with him. You know, it's yeah. just... Small community, yeah. really. He bunked like 
three feet from my desk. <laughs> oh, I was in the next building. And, yeah. and I know it might sound like a, a kind of esoteric movie, but it's not. World's fastest Indian yeah. will make you smile. Well, really? So uh, Abraham Rodriguez says, uh, Galoso is absolutely my favorite episode. I play it all the time. It inspires me to keep on it. All the influence Gales had is, is awesome. Shelby got a movie. Where's Gales? <laughs> yeah, true. And funny, we just watched the documentary at Gales. Uh, I guess it would be your man cave, your social club. Uh, I don't know yeah. how to, what to call it. It's, it's, it's a man uh, cave. Man cave? It, that's not fair to call it a man cave, but I'm not sure what else I don't, you could. I mean, it's a, it's not a, it's like a speakeasy it's, slash it's, man cave. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's a speak. Right. Yeah, that's better. A Gale, a Gale yeah. uh, has it's, a speakeasy, and uh, we go there. Circa and, 1933 repeal of the Volstead Act. Yeah. Uh, now we, we we can drink in the open. Yeah. Right. And uh, I call it Fedora. It used to be a Cadillac dealership. It was built in 1923. Yeah, you, you guys, it won't make sense to you, but think of a 1920s Cadillac dealership showroom that has been turned into a speakeasy yeah. and is amazing. And Gail invites small groups of it, friends this over. Is and, not, so we screened Adam Carolla's Shelby American. The yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, a few months ago, I did a deal with Discovery Channel for a new program. Yes. Is that going to be aired this month? March. I'm told March. Oh, I, I, I didn't spoke even to know about uh, that. Blake at Pilgrim. Oh, Pilgrim's doing yeah, something. Yeah, Pilgrim huh? is, is oh. huge. They do a lot of the shows on Discovery. Yes, they do. And uh, Blake told me last night that they expect it to be out in the March. Oh. Um, I didn't know about time this. Time frame. First, are we still the first Is this episode? under embargo yes. still? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I did not expect an embargo. Hold on one second. <laughs> So now you're keeping stuff from it, me. It is not uh, under embargo. Uh, we don't have a, I don't think there's a, a title to the show yet. We're just calling it The Galpin Show. But um, Oh, it's part of that thing. So I didn't know about yeah. this. Yeah. This is the one that has the old... Um, um, the Pantera. The Pantera. With yeah. the Chrysler engine. Well, we that was Shelby's to, yeah. It was really Fender weird. Part Pantera. Yeah, yeah no. we, it was really weird. We were supposed to keep this thing under wraps. Yeah. Not say a word. No photos. Nothing. Gail wasn't there. This never happened. One of those. Yeah. And then we showed up to SEMA, and there was the car with yeah. a plaque on it. says, oh, Galpin TV show coming soon. And here's a Gail Banks uh, twin turbo-powered Chrysler-engined Pantera. Right. Owned by Carol Shelby, which was like a what with a who with a hair? What? Yeah. Huge. It's the predecessor of the Viper. When Lee Iacocca yeah. left Ford, of course, Ford... Uh, Shelby left Ford without notice after after the last Lamar effort. Yeah. Shelby American was disbanded by Ford, and Carol went to Africa and maybe even South America, but got into cattle down there and uh, did actually tours. What do you call them? Safaris. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he is quite an entrepreneurial cat and a good friend. So. When Iacocca went to Chrysler, and he saved Chrysler, just like the Mustang kind of saved Ford, so to speak, he started doing these front-drive, turbocharged, four-cylinder cars, K-cars. Brought in Carroll to be involved with, with Chrysler, and ultimately, ultimately Carroll, I think, convinced Iacocca we need to do a world-class sports car. A real sports car. Yeah, they started with the Panteras. There were two of them that Carol built at uh, the Shelby Chrysler over here in Santa Fe Springs. And uh, Carol knew of what, what I was doing uh, vividly. 
So he decided he, he needed a Banks turbocharged uh, engine in the ass end of that Pantera. It was a NASCAR-based, Iacocca-financed V8 engine program. Uh, they developed a really bitchin' cylinder head. I think they called it the W2. And the engine uh, was a soft compression, you know, Banks-cammed, twin-turbo, liquid-intercooled, pretty stout, a serious piece. The car's performance is on a par with the new C8 Corvette. Wow. Literally. Wow. And Galpin found the car, found the engine. We found the equipment to that would... Rehabilitate Turbos it. were missing. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. And we helped them get it running. We dynoed the car here. It's going to be a, quite an episode. Uh, we'll be sure to uh, let people yeah. know when it's yeah, on. Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of, a, I think they do a lot of history lesson in this. Yeah, and and uh, especially with all the Carol Shelby hype, I think this is going to be a really big one. Yeah. Yeah, so this will be a fun show to be a part of. Uh, Reese Adam Thomas uh, says, when will the Derringer be released for the 2019 3.5 EcoBoost? And do you have anything else in the works for the EcoBoost? Yeah, it'll be a full program uh, on the new EcoBoost. We're keenly interested. It, you know, it might be a shorter program than we think. I haven't studied the intake air opportunities or the exhaust system opportunities, but we have instrumentation that works. We have a tuning module that works, uh, the Derringer. What I'm looking at right now, we're ordering a 2020 HO 4x4. Uh, So that's our next really big push, but I I think we could work the eco do a parallel. So what was the fellow's name? Uh, he goes by uh, at Reese Adam Thomas. Hey, at Reese Adam Thomas. Okay, <laughs> I would say we should have a product on the street by the end of the second quarter of the year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We also have a couple interesting eco diesel questions. One from uh, uh, Ryan Evans, and then also from uh, our buddy Ray. Two completely different topics, but both about eco-diesel yeah. that they are curious about. So uh, Ryan's is probably the easiest one. So he says, whatever happened with the eco-diesel EGR cooler upgrade? Well, we were never doing one, so I okay. don't know. <laughs> uh, and Ray writes this interesting tech question that I figure you you would know more than anybody. He says, hello, Sean and Jay. I know the diesel engine emissions controls are very complex, but this is a new one on me, and I'm hoping you can explain the unexpected sentence in the 2020 Ram 1500 owner's manual, quote-unquote diesel engine supplement. It says, note, it is possible for your oil level to be slightly higher than a previous check. This would be due to diesel fuel that may temporarily be in the crankcase due to operation of the DPF regeneration strategy. The fuel will evaporate out under normal operation, says he supplied the screenshot of the manual. He says, clearly it's not a big deal, but I'm wondering about the mechanics of it. How does how does it happen, and how is it that apparently it doesn't affect the performance of the engine oil? Thank you, Ray. And I, that's a new one on me. I hadn't I hadn't heard anything. I didn't know if you had anything to add. Yeah, to that. diesel particulate out temperatures I, I'm familiar with, they're usually around 1,150 degrees. And that that's not, that's common to all, all of the testing on all of the brands. The emissions technology is very similar. The way you enrich to heat up the DPF might vary. On some, they have an injector, 
uh, right in front of the DPF. Yeah, the uh, the ninth injector on certain generations of Duramax is an example of that. Yeah, it's weird. The ninth injector is playing the Roxy. Are they? Tonight. I knew yeah. it. I knew they yeah, were. Yeah, they're a punk band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I heard they, they were wear good. purple. It was just really weird. Oh, interesting. It's just inexplicable. <laughs> and that's why Lightning <laughs> lives on at Banks. He lives <laughs> just because the old man laughs. I, I love that. <laughs> so, if you're enriching in cylinder, then you're going to get diesel fuel past the rings. Oh, interesting. Okay. And your oil level is going to go up. But how does it not taint the oil? How can you still still get those long oil change intervals? Is that because the diesel has a more higher volume of oil I'm not, capacity? I'm not. I'm not buying this. <laughs> that it's going to evaporate. evaporate. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how Ray is one of our more technical listeners, and so he always sends us curveballs from time uh, to time. I got uh, Ray. I hope you're listening. Oh, uh, he will be. We we will be all over this one. Okay. Yeah. Could you look into that and then maybe uh, actually I met with the guys tw- twice. I'm going to leave week. you with this email. Perfect. Uh, thank you for this, Ray. Uh, the the um, whole deal with DPF. And guys that tune by only adding fuel, which, which adds are surprisingly soot. most of them. Yeah, <laughs> it uh, is. You yeah. know, we're constantly looking at air fuel ratio during our tuning, and I have a value. I I will not go below below uh, that that is commonly violated. In fact, has to be violated. To get any power out of the these what I call burn down boxes, and there's a whole bunch of them out there, and some of them are way more expensive than a Derringer, and they just piss extra fuel in there. And ever since the beginning of time, uh, since the birth of Rudolph Diesel, guys have been just pissing more fuel in to make more power. And yes, it will make more power, but if there's a DPF there, you can't blot out the sun and have a DPF on the same vehicle. That just, you know, the sooting up of the DPF causes more regions. And if you want to talk back pressure... Now you've corked it up. you've, You've corked it up. You haven't stopped flow, but you've got a lot more pressure drop there. My my zero pressure exhaust will still help, no, no matter how much the cork. Uh, but the point being, if you look look at between regens, the average amount of soot in the DPF, your power potential goes down because the average back pressure is higher. Sure. And your fuel economy goes completely to hell because you're regening this thing constantly just because you want a five or six second squeeze, you want to piss all, all that additional diesel in there to get, to get a mild hit in your back. You know, it ain't worth it, guys. If you want to go racing, build a freaking racer. Don't be Walter Mitty. <laughs> You know, I mean, in your, so, in your pretend hot rod. I, I, hot street is way different than race. Hard to call a race car a race car when you have a leather backseat. Well, here's the, here's, the, <laughs> here's the bottom line. And I know, guys, even though EPA has caught a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of. Obviously, a huge a lot topic of, right now. I, I can say almost without exception, the people who have been caught are friends of mine. Sure. They're right. friends of mine. They're good guys. Uh, 
they're just filling a need. And they got caught at it, and it's really rough, but they're still friends, and we're still doing, you know, helping them with instrumentation and everything else to develop and go green and do all that. It's great. But if you are going to full delete your sixty or $70,000 truck, the cost to do the full delete is pretty profound, and you've just repurposed your truck. It's a street-driven racer. What's the resale value? And and beyond that, how often are you killing things on the truck? Why not take the same money, get an early two thousands version of your tr- uh, brand, yeah, and build a hot truck that is a racer, and maybe sneak it out on the street from time to time. Why violate? A full dress, new, yeah. beautiful truck like that—that that works pretty darn good. I think. I think the reality you know. is they want the best of both worlds. They want the cake and eat yeah. it too. They want all the. They want. Uh, well, USB- they want to be first too. They want USB C plugs in the center console, and they want yeah. to roll coal, and they want to go fast. They want it all. Right. And they and, and yeah. they want to be first. And they want to be like I'm oh, the that. guy who built the sure. very first sure. version of the new engine, and yeah. you know, I I broke the horsepower. You know, a lot of it's hey, look at me. Yeah. If not function, sure. But that's okay. I mean, that's that's I part it. of it. But just as we've talked before we get it but epa is cracking down and there's gonna have well it's a reality of the future yeah and i live in the future yeah so but but the thing is every hot rod i ever drove on the street Mm -hmm. was really a racer yeah and i raced them and i drove them on the street Mm -hmm. and i didn't have all these creature comforts that you're talking about because they're heavy (laughs) <laughs> and heavy yeah. is slow so shut up <laughs> man up and build a f-ing racer <laughs> you heard it here first uh in your original studebaker that you built what was the interior did you take out the passenger seat? <laughs> <laughs> oh man i Every, know you live in the future but uh, i want to take yeah, you back to the old yeah. time machine here yeah and... it, it uh it had front seats okay but nothing in the rear yeah. it was I'm just curious what virtually y- got it. Young I, Gail B would uh, would have done back in the day. <laughs> Gail B. <laughs> it, it had a, a safety cage, you know, had a scatter shield, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I had built a camera Studebaker for it. That's the first engine I ever sold. It never got into. Uh, I am still a fan of a '53 Studebaker Starlight Coupe. Uh, it it it. it was Raymond Lowy penned that thing, and it was so far ahead of its time. If you park it in a lot full of 53 and earlier cars, put it in in the context of its time, you would swear aliens brought that freaking thing (laughs) to the earth. It is that aerodynamic and that just cool looking. Mm Mm-hmm. I wanted to always, I was Dry Lakes racer and hadn't been to Bonneville and then and had a few records at the lakes, though. And my 63 Corvette was quite fast. Um, another racer I drove on the street. Yeah, I was going to ask also what was in the uh, 63 uh, interior. The, the, the 63. Yeah, was, this, was the Corvette stripped down on the inside, too? I mean, obviously, no, it doesn't have a back seat like the uh, Studebaker did. It was did, red but. on red. You know, those are split windows. Mm-hmm. There was a full typewritten book from Chevrolet how to set them up for road racing. 
and they were fearing the living shit out of Cobras and everything else. You could change the steering rate and the clutch rate on the car. It was stock. Yeah. I had uh, Firestone Sports Car 200s, which were the first wide, uh, uh, high aspect or low aspect ratio, I should say, race tires. I drove those on the street. I uh, had Torque Thrust R American wheels. Told you he was a wild man. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so beautiful. And I personally knew Larry Shinoda, and Larry was responsible for the design of that thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have some of his drawing that he, from 1960. It didn't have roll-up headlights in the original. It had like plexiglass yeah. headlight covers. Covers, yeah. And there's a lot of Bugatti in that split window thing. We talked about your this car, and you had to sell it back with the first time in Gillisode number one. I don't remember if we asked, did you ever find out via your VIN number where that car is today? Oh, I know, or? I know, I know what happened to it. Oh, okay. Uh, I uh, traded. I actually got a '56 Chevy Bel Air that I'd done the engine in, and eleven hundred bucks for the Corvette. And with the eleven hundred bucks, I opened my speed shop right. in San Gabriel, August of '67. Great California speed shop. Boy, that was a neat place. I, I sold the Corvette to a fr- friend. Within two weeks, he'd spun it out on an on-ramp and hit the K-rail, the metal railing, mm-hmm. with both ends of the car. Uh. Yeah. He got it fixed, but it was in primer. Never the same. Oh, it was rudely patched up. But I have pictures of it. And, and then Shinoda sent me some studio shots that they had done of an identical car. You have to see if you can find the photos and then see if we can. Post I have one a pic- I have a picture of it with chrome wheels and white walls. I love it. There it is. Yeah, yeah that, S- that was over. so we, of that era. We posted up. Yeah, and then I got the mag wheels. And did I answer the question? I don't know. Did he answer that? What was the question? I don't, I don't even remember. remember. I'm just like We're hearing just, Gail it's a tell story stories. Time. Yeah. Story time. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, take an extra. So I was on uh, oh, YouTube. It was Fifty three Studebaker. Fifty three Studebaker. Yeah. yeah. So before we started the show, I was in the other room and I was looking through YouTube comments, kind of trolling through them as I do. And I found kind of an interesting um, uh, kind of a dialogue. It it was one comment and then the subsequent comments afterwards. And I found this one on Gail's kind of recent how to engineer the perfect differential cover. Mm -hmm. As you if you've heard the other times that Gail was on the show. You may know some of the history, how um, we had some cockamamie idea here in marketing to do a diff cover, yeah. and we started <laughs> making one, and Gail's yeah, like, hell no. like, not on my watch. That's not coming <laughs> no. out of my shop. <laughs> not with my name on it. Yeah. And then we do this huge research I series. <laughs> which is in why, this very room. <laughs> yes. Which is Having why your, uh, your sub-brand is called Tillis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I so, thought that stuff was from China. It oh, is. Oh, dare you. It is, which is why stuff. it's your sub-brand. Yeah. How <laughs> dare you guys. Uh, so, <laughs> Have you seen those Long Beach t-shirts? Oh, oh. You know, they don't last very long. They're, they're all from China. And they're faded after like two washes. <laughs> you guys are uh, stabbing me now. Don't wash that <laughs> warm. <laughs> okay. You done? You done? No, okay. of course not. <laughs> Uh, so he goes through this, uh, year long process and discovers that, uh, not only can he make a better mousetrap, um, but, but basically buries all of these other aftermarket covers in the process. Basically none of the aftermarket covers do anything. The ones with the flat backs, what, which are your uh, mag high techs and PPEs and, and yeah. all these others. They do negative things. Yeah. Right. Right. 
So the two things he looks at are fluid dynamics and um, aerodynamics Thermal. and thermal dynamics, yeah. right? And without getting into the, there's there's a lot of videos on YouTube. Yeah, just, yeah, just yeah, do go, right go, diff go cover and we'll yeah, pop right up. Yeah, but yeah. this is interesting. So this one says, um, I'll read, I'll read the yellow, okay. and then and then you read the right. not yellow in our regular right? voices. Or? Yeah, just well, no, pick a voice, okay. but not a, you do a horrible English voice. Billy just, Bargain. Uh, sure, yeah, <laughs> I'll start him. Is this what getting old feels like? I just watched a 30-minute infomercial, and I wasn't bored. And did he pick a good way to raise his middle finger to the competitors? Damn. Damn, I hope not. I'm 20, and I did the same thing. Well, that's the wrong voice oh, for his 20. No. So he got to be oh. younger. Oh, well, that wasn't Billy Bargain. That was just another one. Okay. So, hey, do you want me to do old-timey? No, no, but you're a young guy here. Billy Bargain. Billy Bargain. Billy Bargain. It's obnoxious. Yeah. Normally, he talks over this. Damn, I hope not. I'm 20 and I did the same thing. No, 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 not for that. Do it okay. again. Younger guy. Damn, okay. I'm 20. All right, do it again. Damn, I hope not. I'm 20. No, I don't know. I, I can't okay. do a young all guy. Right, right. I, I'm just old and decrepit. This isn't an infomercial as much as it is a series on reverse engineering, root cause analysis, and proof of concept. No fluff here. This guy is so good of what he does and makes. He could take a broomstick and put fins on it and do some tests and say that it'll increase MPGs on an old cat V8 diesel. Time to whip out my credit card. I am sold. This guy knows he when it comes to proving it the right way and working 100% correct. Mike from Minnesota. Please clone Mr. Banks. Every high school in America needs him to teach our children. Thanks, Mr. Banks, for putting all the other companies on notice. Guy's pretty much a savage, a straight savage. Crushes everyone, designs, and feelings. Quietly removes flatback cover and reinstalls factory diff cover back on his truck. <laughs> <laughs> so that was on one of the YouTube videos? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Honest to I God. Love the yeah. internet. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh Hold on, I'm gonna make it. Oh! oh. Nope. I made it. And lightning banks it in. Holman <laughs> chokes. Oh. Holman chokes. That's okay. Not even Man. an assist. So we had a lot of topics that we yeah. hadn't gotten to. We didn't talk about your Cadillac CT6V. Oh. We, we briefly did. Briefly, but that's dude. That's a dope car he just bought. Yeah, he did the black thing. Yeah. You're right. It is dope. That is, I mean, uh, I love that. That mother. is a uh, briefcase is full of cash in Florida, dope. Mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Well, one of one of seven hundred and twenty-five made, correct? With the Blackwing. Uh, yeah, engine? with a five fifty horse mm -hmm. Blackwing. You know, Gail uh, was. Uh, I'd love to talk about that. Well, we got some some more time. Do it. Well, here's the thing: is uh, oh, you want to do it another well, time? Do you want do you want to have another one of these? Well, I just want to bring up this one like anecdotal conversation okay, because Gail right. likes to bust people's balls. Sure. So Gail, no. So bust, bust mine. What the hell? So, uh, so Gail and I are at the Fedora, and we're having a conversation. Nice mm. say. I just got back from Detroit, where I had a 707 horsepower Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk, and I said this has got to be the best supercar value in the world. Starts at like eighty six thousand. The one I had was one hundred and two, uh, all wheel drive, seven hundred horsepower, and seating for five. And like the next car in the world that has over seven hundred horsepower. And all-wheel drive is like $250,000. And I'm like, this has got it. And then Gail starts going, yeah, but what's the 0 to 60 on that? And uh, oh, I don't know if that horsepower is really good. Yeah, how much did you say? You know, my Cadillac, how much does it weigh? Your Cadillac like, can kick your ass. And it's just like, man, just deflate it. He took a steak knife to your balloon. Yeah, just well, it's power to weight ratio and power to arrow. I got you off the line. You got me at the high speed, I think. Yeah. If we were racing. Yeah. If, if we were racing. 
And I don't know race. about off the line. The throttle response on this mother. And Can we race? If I, I get one, I've can been, you and I line up? You ought to feel the throttle response with my pedal monster. <laughs> yeah, you know we do do this. Well, we're is doing. Is it better than your GT? Because your GT is five fifty also. Okay, isn't it? so I recently drove, different animal though. I recently, but same horsepower. They're both five hundred and fifty horsepower. One's turbo, one's supercharged. So I took my GT over to my, my buddy Allen's. By uh, by the way, funny for Gail to say you should feel it because I still haven't had a ride in the GT after you know. It's oh, that's gonna happen. I got it. I'm, yeah, that uh, makes two of us. I, 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 I gotta, I gotta put some more heat yep. cycles on that. Thing, Gail's been, Gail's know. been taunting gotta, me with it for literally like ten I gotta, years. I gotta get the uh, diesel fuel out of the oil. <laughs> you know, I gotta warm it up. You know what Gail said to me once? I, he looks at me, full well knows what he's saying. And I said, Gail, one of these days, I, j- I'm not asking to drive it. I just, I just want to ride in it. I've sat in them. I've never gone for a ride. He goes, really? I haven't taken you for riding my GT yet. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> You son of a bitch, you know you have it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just walked away. Womp, womp, womp. Uh, 550 horsepower in the GT. You can kill yourself. Literally. Mm, no uh, nannies in that thing. That thing, uh, there's no no nannies. I don't think it even even has ABS on the brakes. I mean, it, there's nothing. It sounds it's, awesome. It's a manual six-speed. Yes, it is. Transaction in the engine, yeah. And you step on it, and it steps out. Mm-hmm. It torques the ass. Mm. And you're, kind of you're counter-steering. If it, you're still in the loud pedal, mm-hmm. you're counter-steering like a mother. I love that. Everybody so that. I bought it back in 05 after Leno bought his. Uh, it didn't Leno tell you you should get it for an investment, and you sort of went, I'm going to get it because it's a fun car, and now they're worth like 400000 or something? It's a milestone for Ford Motor Company. Oh, absolutely. The, I know the new GT is highly yeah. technical. Yeah. Uh, this was totally like, b***ed out this for may have styling. Been picked up. But, but the peak bottom, awesome, though. there's an identity from mine to the GT40. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mine's 44 inches tall. I, right. I wish they'd called it the GT44. Mm. I agree. Yeah. But they didn't. A car that can kill you is the car I want. <laughs> Have you seen the sticker? If it can't kill me, Have you seen the what bumper the sticker? Hell am I doing? There's you a know? great bumper sticker that's circula- uh, circulating around the internet, right? And it says you put people have it on their classic cars and trucks. It says no airbags. We die like men. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I, yes. I don't know if the GT has an airbag. I'll bet it. Yeah, does. it does. I'm sure, it, it does. does. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, it has a radio. It's a high level radio, mm-hmm. but you can't hear it. <laughs> no. It has no couple because oh, the you're, you've got headphones in the in the shape of a giant engine behind you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean that. Blower pulley is like four inches from you. Yeah, th- through a piece yeah. of glass. Yeah. The intercooler on that Pantera is likewise four inches from from your head through the piece of glass. God, that must just sound amazing. You I mean, know, oh my God, it's one of the. Uh, wait till you hear it on the chassis dyno. It screams. Uh, well, yeah, but loud. I still haven't heard yeah. it. I mean, Whoa. I heard it Ford, but I've not heard Gales. Well, you will hopefully in March when the when the there show were, hits there Discovery was an Channel. an article on the first one, which wasn't a fat fender, called Carol's Revenge. Mm-hmm. It was in Hot Rod magazine. Gray Baskerville wrote the article. Gray was the greatest automotive hot rod wordsmith ever, ever. to draw breath. 
man, what a cool guy. And I loved hanging with Gray. I can't remember the year of that article. Mid-80s. Somewhere in there. But. When uh, the Ford GT came out, uh, Ford had there, it was for the 100th anniversary of Ford back in 2004, and they flew a bunch of journalists out to Detroit, and they took us into the wind tunnel, and they had these black tarps on three GTs in their wind tunnel yeah. that were positioned just as the three were when they crossed Le Mans. Oh, wow. And they had us all put on glasses in the wind uh. tunnel, and they turned on the fan to about 20 miles an hour, and they blew the cloths off all three of them at oh, the same time. Oh, that's so cool. And the very first one was a white one with blue stripes that was built for Bill Ford, and on the kick panel, or the sill panel, when you open the door... Door sill, sure. Yeah, it said expressly built for Bill Ford. How cool is that? Yeah, that's very and cool. And I mean, I'll tell you a story this about is the that new after, off, off the air. Oh. But Were these vintage or the new ones? The new ones. Yeah. Yeah, it was their unveiling of the production ones for the Here's first time. Here's the deal. And if you look at the headlights, they make out... 100 forwards and backwards 001 100 so if you look at the driver's oh, headlights straight on oh, interesting. that style was 100 for the 100th anniversary of Ford Motor Company. Oh well that's that's cool. Huh. Yeah, that's very cool. That 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 finishing sequence. Who was the guy who was driving the winning car at Le Mans? Was it Ken Miles? Ken yes. Miles. Ken Miles came in second, I believe, right? Cuz no, wasn't he, he leading? He Ken no, Miles he, came across first, but he but he, he didn't def- have the points because the other guy started from behind. So oh, the yeah. other total guy, time. Yeah, that's yeah. right because it was a the total photo time finish, or total right. distance. Yeah, the so distance. Ken Miles he, got uh, he was rose out of the he was host. Yeah. Yep, that's right. And then testing a new Mark new version four, of the car. Mark three. Yeah, they, uh, they built one with a honeycomb tub, and they were testing at Riverside. And he was soloing, of course, and the and the car broke apart, killed him. Yeah, like three months after Le Mans, and and Shelby after was that win torn up after that too, because Ken had been a friend of his for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Huh. We can't end on this sour note. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> how about it? All right. So I'll, I I know I know how to bring us back. Mm-hmm. Your five point four liter supercharged Ford Mod Motor in your GT. Yeah. And your five liter twin hot V turbocharged. It's a 4.2 liter. I'm sorry, 4.2 liter. Yeah. Uh, twin both, turbo both hot are 550 v. horse. Both are 550 horse. Yeah. Which one and why? Not not the car, the engine. And supercharger versus turbocharger from Gale Banks. Okay. You will never, ever get rid of all the turbo lag. But this is so damn close to that, I cannot tell you. Uh, and, and and then you put the pedal monster on there, and it's like, oh, my God, your eyeballs are on the back of your head. When we first did uh, the description of what would be the production cyclone, it, we quickly realized it had to be turbocharged. They wouldn't let me turbocharge the race trucks because they weren't going to have a turbocharged truck in their future. So then the, the stock engine was so punk, the uh, 4.3 V6, that they had to turbocharge it. And in so doing, you got a lot of wheel spin. Okay. Some Astro van iteration had a tra- transfer <laughs> case that yeah. there was. There was. Yeah, there was yeah, an all-wheel yeah, drive yeah. Astro van, yeah. if you remember. You could get the Astro van 
with the special trim package that had the all-wheel drive, mm-hmm. and it didn't have the rear windows. It only had the middle row windows, mm-hmm. and it was you can get them white with like an orange and red stripe package down the side. They were so, a hot van back then. So the here you go, all-wheel drive. Driving one of the, those things on the street, you, you never have drag strip pavement. No, God preps the street. And then man, in between rains, pukes out everything onto, onto the street. To get grip, you have to have all-wheel drive. The acceleration of that Cadillac is so strong, it just leaps out of the hole. You don't need to really torque break it. You just loud pedal that mother and you are gone. Zero to 60 is pretty remarkable. It's not as quick as the GT. If you know how to drive the GT, you can get, you can edge the twos. Uh, the Cadillac, I, I think I've seen a 3.4. Now, I know there's more. And and I want to derringer the shit out of that Cadillac. <laughs> uh, God, I can't wait to hot rod that thing. <laughs> well, you and I were talking yeah. about so. But pe- whoa, which engine? Yeah, which engine? The Cadillac, hands down. Uh, and here's why: the engine management. Um, the ECUs in G- GM have a num- number associated with them. Sixty-seven, I think, is or E sixty-seven. You uh, ECU uh, ECM guys. I'm I'm sorry. I'm, it's either ECU or ECM. I, I'm moving to ECM now. <laughs> it's been, it's so been the, split. We've been uh, going back and forth okay, the office yeah. for weeks I, now. Yeah, mm-hmm. but ECM, engine control Going module. to the dartboard with the blindfold to figure out which way to go now? So the bottom the bottom line is... No, we, because everyone this says is it's a, a TCM, th- a transmission control right, module. This is, this so now a, it's going to match. ECM and TCM. TCM. Yes, good. That's my point as, as well. I think that's fair. So, so you can control individual cylinder spark and fuel you can control bank to bank there's a throttle on each bank i'm assuming they throttle independently there's a turbo on each bank it's separated from the other bank isolated i think you can control and you and i so you can do global four cylinder versus four cylinders right uh but when i was working with jim curry uh at the tech center more in michigan Jim developed the detonation sensor, the first one ever to be put on an engine, and that saved the the Buick V6 program with the turbo. That would have never happened without Curry's detonation sensor. So I built some lab engines for Curry, uh, and it allowed us to retard the spark. It was still carburetor time back then, but retard the spark if you had detonation. Globally, the whole engine. The, then he was experimenting with head bolts, where where you could, you, they were like strain gauges b- built into the head bolts, where you c- could have like four on each bank of a V8. Now you knew what cylinder was detonating, but they didn't. Ha- they had like an eight-bit microprocessor in their ECMs back then. Mm-hmm. You had to do global spark retard. And when when we did the Buicks, you had boost. And spark, so you could back off boost and back off spark. So you, you had two knobs to turn. With this new caddy with that E68 controller, I hope I'm describing the controller correctly, it knows what hole just fired and associates the detonation with the hole. And the next time around, it's either richer 
or the sparks retarded or both. And you can back, you control the boost. And they have kind of a linear actuator, a motor-driven boost control, which is real quick, too. You're not impressed by this engine at all, are you? I'm <laughs> impressed by the ECM. Yeah. And that's what makes the engine, other than it's a double overhead cam, 4.2 liter, yeah. world-class structure. The sad thing is they don't, they're not going to build it? Or well, it's going to go into the Corvette, isn't it? Or some okay. variation? So this is... No, we don't know. We think. You know, my, but, a, fr- a friend of mine ran Cadillac, uh, Cadillac uh, Johan Denetian, mm-hmm. and he, he was formerly with Audi. In Infinity uh, also. And um, yes, this, was Yo- this engine was Johan's baby. It was to be Cadillac exclusive. Mm-hmm. The engine in my car was built in Bowling Green, Kentucky. What else did they build there? Corvettes. Oh, Corvettes, you say. <laughs> uh, so... I love the guy's name is on my engine. I'd yeah, love right. to meet the guy. The guy who built it is yeah. signed. Yeah, it's a one-man, yeah. one-engine mm-hmm. thing. There will be a, a double overhead cam, nominal four-liter, flat crank is, is the word, twin tur- turbo, but not a hot V. They're reversing the flow. Yes, it's going to share some design. But it's not the exact same engine. No, it's not the same engine. It's the same, only different. Here on the Future Corvette Show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I like, and this is, this is a, the thing I was talking about earlier, what's the future? To me, hybrid hot rodding is the future. Yeah. But I like the fact that the engine on the C8 is the prime mover of choice. The electrification will probably be the front drive. Yeah. Uh, the battery will probably be vertical behind the seats. Uh, and below the little window, mm-hmm. not a, a huge ass battery. That's how the uh, the Ram trucks are with eTorque. It's a forty eight volt battery that's behind the rear seats under the window at the back of the cab. Yeah, so similar setup to that. This will be more battery mm-hmm. than that. You're right. And similar to the Acura NSX, I think has uh, electric sure front drive it, and rear. It's, it's also mid engine. It's very similar. Yeah. And uh, the total all up number is nine hundred horsepower. Now you're carrying more weight. But you're going from 500 nominally to 900. Maybe maybe 50 or 60 horsepower of that for the added takes weight. Takes care the of the weight, yeah, and the, the rest, rest is, is yeah. vehicle performance. Grippy out of the hole, all of this, all of it. Love it. All right, I got one more question for Gail. The definitive answer. We need the uh, drum roll. Okay. All right. I'm ready when you are. No, you have to ask it first. I was, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, we could, you could, I'm, ready no, no, no. For, I'm ready for my close-up. No, no, no. You ask it, and then I'll... All right. Okay. Pound feet. No, wait. Go ahead. Foot pounds. Are you torquing a lug nut or measuring the output of an engine? Output of an engine. Foot pounds. Lug nut. Pound feet. Wait a minute. I just, can they be used interchangeably <laughs> minute, or not? With you. <laughs> I was going to say. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Every press release I've ever written if is I wrong. Give, if I give you Gail a, B's if a bastard. I give you a straight answer. Oh, my God. Oh. Uh, I was very confused there for a minute. That. Damn it. <laughs> so, Gail for the win. That's right. It's pound feet for the engine, guys. All right. So, here's what I laugh at is I remember we had an episode in some diesel podcast listeners left us a bunch of uh, scathing reviews pound feet they don't even know anything about engines and so it's funny because you'll hear people that use it interchangeably and you'll even see companies that write it interchangeably or write it one way and say it the other way and it's pervasive throughout the industry so i figured you know what 
We're going to Gale right now for the of, definitive I, answer. I, 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 it's a force through a distance. The engine's rotating. Mm. So it's a force through a distance. That's why hey. it's pound feet. I don't need to cl- sell past the clothes. We're good. You heard it here <laughs> yeah, first. Yeah. Show podcast, definitive answer, pound uh, feet. All right. Well, wow. I, so I think Chubba still in, in, in uh, Car and Driver yep, magazine, yep. Chubba Chetta yep. did a – look this up, guys. He explained it and explained it very well. And also an engineer. Yeah. All right. We'll find that. Let's post it. Okay, you find it. I'll find it. I'll yeah, post I dare it. you to. Is that it? I got, well, I got it. Yes. What's your I mean, it's your wife's birthday, so it we to have be. to leave. It is my wife's birthday. I mean, I could go I'm another hour, already Gail. late for the dinner party. Yes. Oh, it is the Truck Show Podcast with Gail. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. All right. Well, we uh, have to thank our uh, presenting sponsor, Nissan, for uh, putting up with us for uh, these many, many... Uh, yeah, it's been almost two years. Can we you believe a, that? We got a lot of Nissan in this episode, I think. Oh, we got a lot of Nissan coming up. There's some cool things that, uh, that we'll talk about in some upcoming episodes. But okay. if you're interested in the Nissan Frontier, NV Vans, or the uh, Titan 19s, go get a good deal. And the 20s will be on the lot real soon. NissanUSA.com. And if you're looking for the ultimate storage solution for your truck or van, you got to hit Decked.com. D-E-C-K-E-D. Decked.com. And uh, not only can you store all your fishing gear, your skiing gear, whatever you got. Or my new uh, clay shooting rifle. Oh, I heard, we'll talk about that next episode. Okay. Yeah, because you spent way too much money on a blue gun. Uh, it's blue. Well, you just told everybody which gun it is now. Anybody oh. who shoots a shotgun is going to Oh, they know? know? Yeah. Okay, well, it's, anyway. The nickname for it is actually called the blue gun. Oh, gotcha. I didn't know that. Yeah, all right, so you store all your stuff inside, <laughs> and you can still put your quad on top. Dex.com, check it out. You will thank us for and, it. And uh, also, don't forget to uh, leave us a five-star hotline. 657-205-6105. Leave us a message. Tell us uh, what's on your mind or hit us up on email, chuckshowpodcast at gmail.com. I think uh, Gail has to take us out. All right, Gail, uh, thank you for uh, giving us hours of your time again. For Sean Holman and Jay Tillis, <laughs> a.k.a. Lightning, this is Gail Banks. I'll see you soon. All right, I like that. Tuesday for breakfast? Yeah. All right. (laughs) I'm not invited, am I? No, you're not. Damn it.